There was an idea. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I'm for the faster, baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I've got Peaches, and I've got Chris here. Gentlemen, welcome. Swiggity swooty. We're coming for that booty. Yeah. (laughs) You say you have Peaches and Chris, but but do you? You don't know. This is Screeches and Scris. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been scroll, scroll since the bro. Santa Claus episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> when my legs stopped working. That's what? a weird thing to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's totally normal for your leg to stop working. Uh, yeah. I, it was just asleep. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everyone? We're going to be talking about uh, Secret Invasion episodes five and six. Uh, I hope you enjoyed them. Because then at least one of us would have. Oh, uh, shit. I'll be interested to see your guys' opinion on these two episodes. But if you have been listening to the past few and you've noticed a trend of what I've been saying, you know, I did say, you know, whether or not the show sticks to landing will kind of like kind of color my opinion on the rest of the show. And in my opinion, landing stumbled. <laughs> it, yeah, it did not. Uh, I think it was a pretty bad stumble, in my opinion. But we're going to find out hmm. what you guys think. Interesting. So Wait, we're gonna is start- this the only episode you liked? The finale? Well, there are two episodes we're talking about. Oh, okay. So we're talking about episodes... <laughs> five, uh, right now, we're going to start off talking about episode five, Harvest, written by Michael Bin, Bim and Brian Tucker, directed by Elise Salim. So Fury gets the president to the hospital, where the doctors tell him to stay outside. While there, he sees on the news that eyewitnesses spotted Talos helped, uh, helping to save the president. I... Uh, a pyrrhic victory for Talos, who always wanted to show the world how good the scrolls could be. Despite having killed Talos, Gravik's plan still took a hit, and that led to Pagan uh, questioning his leadership. Gravik lashes out and kills Pagan in front of the other rebel warriors. Uh, he then orders Vara's death, and they hop to it, but it's clear that many of the rebels, including Beto, no longer trust Gravik. Oh, they never really did anything with that significant look at him, did they? What do you nope. mean? Yeah, because like Beto is like leaving, and he kind of looks up at Gravik, and Gravik glowers down at him, and then there's like a moment, and then I don't remember Beto doing anything else for the next two episodes. I could be what wrong. What are you talking about? They like ambush him. Oh, the the scrolls all get together and try to kill Gravik. Oh, look, it's been two weeks, man. <laughs> wow, it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> it was I did that, not rewatch this. It was that bad that he forgot. Yeah, look, he's and, like blocked it out of his memory. No, actually, okay, I remember that now. Yeah, sorry, uh, forget I said that, listeners. I swear, I did watch these. <laughs> it was just a while ago. That one was wow. before we went on a on a wild weekend. Yeah, Gravik then calls Rhodey, <laughs> and it's weird because uh, it's been five episodes, and we're just seeing Rhodey for the first time, and so secretly the <laughs> the scroll Rafa. <laughs> Who is on the way to the hospital. He tells uh, Rava to keep the president alive and inform him that the attack was by Russians uh, with the help of scrolls. He also tells Rava to reveal the location of new scrollos to the president, provoking a U.S. military strike on Russian soil. 
Rava is shocked by this gambit, which risks all of the scrolls at New Scrollos, but Gravik says that he will use this potential strike as leverage against Fury, and if that fails, then they will all just have to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. Which is the greater a, good. Uh, really <laughs> interesting uh, that this is basically just the plot to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so I'm glad we have done the same basic thing. Let's stop trying this plot. It never works. <laughs> yeah. Don't do a third one, please. Armor Wars is on the way. At the hospital, Fury is waiting for Rhodey slash Rava, pulling a gun on the Skrull spy. However, Rava reveals that she leaked a video of Fury killing Maria Hill to the press, and that now makes Fury the most wanted man on the planet. Yo, what if Armor Wars is just battle bots? What? You remember that show where people built robots and they fought each other in the arena? Yeah. That sounds cooler. Isn't that uh, <laughs> just watch Battle Isn't that basically that uh, that Hugh Jackman movie? Oh, the, oh yeah, yeah. Real yeah. Steel. Yeah, yeah, Real Steel. <laughs> yeah. Where he has that robot that he has in like in ring fighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they and he doesn't just control it. He like motions. The, he's like fighting the <laughs> air. He's like shadow boxing. Sure you can. Yeah, sure you can. It's like the Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> Robots movie we'll be getting from Mattel soon. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> For the. The universe. Uh, Fury has no choice but to leave the hospital with Rhodey threatening to unleash the entire Secret Service on him if he ever gets near the president again. After the credits, we catch up with Sonia Fallsworth in London where she meets her boss, director Weatherby. She outs the director as a scroll and forces him to reveal the location of Dr. Rosa Dalton, the scientist who's running Gravik's Super Scroll experiments. Back at New Scrollos, Beto and some of the other warriors approach Gravik. Chris, pay attention. What? While they're talking, Rava calls Gravik and informs him that the president is out of surgery. As he's talking on the phone, the rebel gang, the rebels gang up on Gravik and try to kill him. But with his skills and his new powers, Gravik takes them all down. Beto is the last one left, and he publicly executes him as a show of strength. That's right. Beto dies, telling Gravik he's nothing but a monster. You're a monster. I'm not the monster. <laughs> I am disappointed with a few things in this show. I think Gravik is pretty high on the list. Yeah. Because yeah. he ended up being a pretty one-dimensional character with his motivations just being like anger. Like he he starts off as this character who seems like a like the like that scene with him in the museum where he's like this like mastermind and there are all yeah. these Gravics everywhere and he's like I ha- I hold all the cards, like I know all the chess pieces blah 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 blah. blah. And then by the end of the second of the episodes that we're going to talk about, he's just like screaming angry and and like that's okay for a character to end up that way if it happens organically. It feels like it comes out of nowhere. It feels like yeah. he is on top of everything and then suddenly everything is falling apart. I don't know if this is the show for it, but I almost wish that... Have we had a show like this that doesn't resolve the villain arc in that season? Because I feel like Gravit could have worked well if he would have stayed alive and been in like a second season of the show. Well, Not that I would want to see another of this caliber's <laughs> secret invasion again, but like if you keep Gravik for a little while longer, you have more time to show this first part that you liked about him. I would argue that is a problem that Marvel has sort of in general. Yeah. Where and I think that's something that people have echoed for a while now where like every villain has to be defeated without question 
There can be no ambiguous endings. There can be no, like, the villain, you know, leaves to fight another day. Because it's the only way people... It feels like it's the only way their writers know how to write resolutions is by winning, a, like, a fight as a victory. Like, that is how they, 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 they come to resolutions. And not all of them are like that, but mm-hmm. it seems like pretty often that is the case. We don't... There's not too much there. And it feels like this show specifically, and I'm going to echo it again. I apologize. No, this it, is not is, echo. Is a... It's a six-episode movie that doesn't really... It doesn't follow a, a decent enough episodic structure, mm. and it feels like it is being filmed as a movie. Like, it feels like it is... It's. It was written by movie writers, uh, and although it was made into an episode... Like, episode-by-episode episode format, it all just feels like one big movie that was chopped up. Oh, yeah. five and six definitely feel like they're just one continuous thing that yeah. got cut in half. Yeah, and so... I think it's interesting. I feel like the shows that were most made like a TV show were WandaVision and Loki. And wouldn't you know it, they were the best. For sure. Yeah. I would I would I would add in She Hulk in there because I yeah, really, well, liked, absolutely. Absolutely. really liked She Hulk and that was another one that was episodic, had its own each episode was individual, it had its own themes. Yeah. And a lot of the ones that have done the movie approach Falcon and Winter Soldier, this Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I was not a Hawkeye fan. I know you guys were a little bit more favorable to it. Uh, I put it under those three that we just said. Oh yeah, it's certainly I, it's mid tier, but but good. Yeah, I don't put me. it on the same tier as this. I have a lot of issues Falcon with how it ended, but there are also a lot of things I liked about it that kind of balance it out. It was interesting. Yeah. I had a conversation with uh, Angela about this earlier today. Oh yeah, as we were waiting for Starbucks, we were talking about <laughs> Hawkeye, and um, we we're talking about how like, man, that show would have been so much better if it was the Haley Steinfeld. Uh, and um, Florence Pugh show. If uh-huh. It was just them from the beginning. Yes. Imagine how much better that show. I, would I'd watch the shit out of that. Right? Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah. Like, just like the one episode that they really spent together was like, we need these two paired up now. Yeah, for give sure. Give them a movie. Watch, give them a TV show. Give them whatever. I want to see the two of them paired up with America Chavez. Oh hell I yeah! I think that would be incredible. Give them America Chavez. Give me Miss Marvel Bro, in there. Yeah, could, like have them could, lead like the Young Avengers or the Champions or something. Yeah. You could film Florence Pugh eating mac and cheese, and I'd watch it. I mean, well, they, they, did. They, literally they did. Literally, literally, that's did. what I'm saying. <laughs> but they could just have 50 minutes of that, and I'd be like, that looks like good well, mac and, and cheese. It, it led to a really interesting discussion where we talked about how like. The initial crop of Avenger actors, you know, with some exceptions, because obviously some of them have got some some serious acting chops, but they're not really showcased in this, and they're not the kind of actors that they're getting now. It feels like a lot of the actors they get now, they are they. It feels like they're heading more in towards we want good actors yeah, rather than capital A actors, right? Yeah, and so Florence Pugh is the type of actor where. She steals the show because she's just good at whatever you give her. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. and um, like Jeremy Renner, for example, isn't like the best actor in the world. He plays his part well, and if he's written well, he'll he'll like yeah. excel. And if he's not written well, he's well it, right. solid. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Florence Pugh, you could give her the worst script in the world, and she'd figure out a way to make it amazing. And they have tried <laughs> they, they multiple have tried. times, <laughs> many times. <laughs> Uh, and and she's incredible. And so I I feel like there are some shades of that in this where there are, I we got on the conversation because we were talking about Nick Fury in this. Yeah. And Nick Fury in this Samuel L. Jackson, fine actor, but not like transcendent by any means, in my opinion. Uh, he he plays, does his thing really. He well. plays his Nick Fury role really well. Yeah. But that Nick Fury role thing is good for. 
cameos and side appearances and characters, not the focal point of a show. Because if you take the scenes with him and his wife, his wife is carrying those scenes. She's doing an incredible... Not that he's doing bad. He's doing good. He's doing the best that he can. It's it's fine. But it, it just kind of goes to show some some of the, the cracks that some of this this older crop of, of Marvel actors have versus these new ones. Like this Gravik character who... The guy playing Gravik is doing a really incredible job, mm-hmm. especially in these first few episodes of being menacing and being... Um, like he's got it all figured out. He's very, you know, intimidating. Whereas by the end of this, it seems like they they kind of let it go, and it, it's a shame because I feel like he's one of those guys that like, oh wow, they found a good one here, and yeah. it feels like they wasted it a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to defend Samuel L. Jackson just a little bit. They somehow made Nick Fury not an interesting character in this by, I feel like, by trying to fill in the gaps in his backstory, but giving all the interesting stuff to other people. Yep. You know, um, because I think, you know, if they had, you know, there were a couple scenes, uh, you know, the scene on the train with Talos uh, where he's talking about his childhood. I was like, this is good stuff, you Mm -hmm. know? So he certainly is capable, you know, when you give him something good, he's going to make it good as well. He's going to turn around and do a great job with it. But yeah, like, you know, Vara... It was more had a more interesting angle in these scenes mm-hmm. than uh, than Fury did. I, yeah, I think I rather would have had the show be centered around Gaia. I'm with you, Gaia and Gravik. Yeah, and Fury's there. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I think Nick Fury almost has like a. Uh, I hate that I'm going to say it this way, but he almost has like a Joker esque. The f- one of from the, the fun- movie Joker, yeah, from the movie Joker, he is Joaquin Phoenix. Actually, <laughs> no. uh, some of the fun part about Nick Fury is that you don't know what he's doing. Yeah, you don't know because he's Nick Fury, right? You're not supposed to know. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be this guy that's you know always in the shadows, always. So you're like, yeah, he's always ten steps ahead of you, right? He's always, and it is if you start explaining that kind of stuff, it loses some of that magic. Yeah. You know. Okay, that was a weird. Uh, comparison at first, but I'm 100% on board. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't yeah. mean... <laughs> Once you explained it, I was like, yes, you are right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like him when he's like the spy master and you're never really sure. Yes. You know, like, you know you can't trust him, but also that you have to trust him. Yes. That's great stuff. But once you start getting into the weeds of it all, you, you lose that luster yeah. of the character. Yeah, has. you can reveal some things here and there. Uh, like Winter Soldier, you know, they, you know, he talks a little bit about himself and that, and that, that was enough to be interesting. But he's still the mysterious Nick Fury, who is trying to again be steps ahead of everyone else. Um, you know, so he's still, you know, pretty interesting in that. You know, and it's that's what those the most successful Joker stories are like. That you think, you think the Dark Knight in the Dark Knight, he's constantly making up these stories about his scars because yeah. you have no idea where this guy came from. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him so interesting and so chaotic is that you have no idea yeah. where this guy's from. Even Batman or the Red Hood, by the end of that, you, you're you given a Joker backstory of like, mm-hmm. oh, he fell in this vat and he was the Red Hood. And then by the end of it, he was like, just kidding, that wasn't me. Yeah. And you actually don't know if that was him or not. And that's like, that's like the interesting part is that you don't know. Sometimes we don't, not everything needs to be answered. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about 
uh, Falcon and the not Falcon and the what is it Hawkeye with like the watch and everything. Oh, like, no, that needs uh, to be answered. that needs to be answered just in a better way, or just deleted, or <laughs> <laughs> just deleted. Um, Fucking watch. Don't bring it up in episode two and then forget about it until episode six. Yeah, but some <laughs> of these things need to remain better mysteries, and I think Nick Fury was one of those things where like yeah, a Nick Fury centered show doesn't. It could be done in a different way, and I think it could be more successful. Yeah. Um, I just don't think this was the way yet. It's like, I don't know if you remember back before we actually did get a Boba Fett TV show, and there were all these rumors that you know they were planning a Boba Fett movie. A very common refrain I saw online was, don't make a Boba Fett movie. But if you have to make a movie where, that where Boba Fett is kind of one of the you know big features of it, you make a movie about someone else, yeah, and you have Boba Fett show up yeah. <laughs> every once in a while as like this ever-present threat. Because if you explain too much about Boba Fett, yep, you get the book of Boba Fett. Well, and Boba Fett is a really great example because he's, he's a character that has been theorized for literally like centuries. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> like literally, like literally, the last four hundred years, <laughs> literally, Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci in his writings. <laughs> Uh, literally decades, decades is the word that I was looking for. <laughs> there you go. I was looking for the word Centuries divided decades. by 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has been decades like he's been theorized. Yeah, Because yeah. he just showed up in one movie, two? Two movies. Two movies. Barely. 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 I think he had three lines across, uh, three or four lines across both movies. Right, he and he's just crazy. Also, I'll, I would... I would argue, I'd make the argument here, the reason they backed themselves into a corner with Book of Boba Fett is because the Mandalorian is just Boba Fett. Yes, the Mandalorian <laughs> is the Boba Fett show everybody wanted. Yes, and then Every, suddenly... Everybody they, thought they wanted. And then suddenly they're like, oh, we're making a Boba Fett show, but we have already have Mandalorian here. How are we supposed to make a Boba Fett show now? And so they had to go in a different direction. Which is why the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett is literally another Mandalorian episode. Yeah. <laughs> which, don't get me started on that. I have so many issues with how the Book of Boba Fett was done, uh, even though I actually enjoy the finale of that the finale is cool. I enjoy it I quite also, a bit. I know it's really divisive, but I really like those weird, like, 50s-style speeder bikes. Yes! I think you. they're so cool looking. I am, like, I am so alone on that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, they're, they're mods who are mods. That's amazing. Yeah, That's such a I good th- idea it's just a pun and it's great i think it's i so love fun. it yeah i'm, I'm that's into what it. Like, star wars is all about stupid yeah, shit like that exactly, it's great exactly like i think people <laughs> are one of the first new things like actually yes, new ideas they have tried yes and i loved it and when star wars is doing new stuff is when it's at its best yeah. when you were just playing around in that sandbox it's when it's at its best mm-hmm. which is what i think they should have done with this show and i think they were dipping a little too hard into already treaded water yeah so Fury heads to a safe house in Brixton where he finds Gaia waiting for him. He gives her a lesson in the history of Brixton and attempts to talk to her about Talos' death, but she stops him. She tells Fury that she ran away from her father because she knew he would lose, but Fury argues that Talos did not lose. He chose the path of struggle. Fury tells Gaia that she cannot let grief paralyze her and reveals that Talos told him she's a super scroll now. Kaya reveals that Gravik only has a few DNA samples, but what he's really looking for is something called the Harvest, a name Fury recognizes. Gaia says that she needs to bury her father, and Fury gives her his keys, telling her to take him to Priscilla. The police arrive, and Fury has to leave. Gaia asks him where to, and he says Finland. I think another really big sticking point for this whole thing for me, and I feel like I'm just piling on now, 
is Do I, it. I don't like the treatment of the character Gaia. I think Gaia is largely wasted. I think Amelia Clark's role in this is largely wasted. I think she's given a lot of really like her motivations are really like they don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it, there are good ways to do characters that you don't know what the side is on because they're tricky. Yeah. Like uh, Nick Fury, Captain Jack Sparrow. I think those are great examples. And then there are ones where you're not sure whose side they're on because it's just muddy. Yep. <laughs> and that's what this one is. Yeah. I'd, I really feel like she would have been better. Like the more we I sit here and think about it and then you talk about the plot. She should have been the main character of the show. Absolutely. She had that back and forth between the two sides. That's mysterious. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that much about her. And by the end, sorry to spoil the thing you've all already seen, but she has the most badass part of the finale where she's got all the powers and everything. She's like, I don't feel like they're not going to use her in the future. Like, we're going to get more Amelia Clark as Gaia, right? Like, make the show about her. And maybe that solves some of the the problem with the interest, you know, because like it's intriguing to learn about a character we don't know that much about and have somebody to hold our hand that we know through the whole thing, right? Like Fury's there, cool, we're having a good time, but we're mostly paying attention to Gaia. And we didn't get to because so many episodes she was just kind of like, I'm here too. Yeah, she was like in the background. She disappears for long stretches and just... I'm wondering and just spitballing here, and I don't love this idea because I would hate to actually lose Kingsley Benadire altogether. But what if they just combined Gaia and Gravik? Should have been one character. Yeah. Have Gaia be our antagonist for most of this. Yep. You know, because then the antagonist has a tie to Nick Fury and a, a very important tie to Talos, and that is interesting. That drives it. You know, you can have someone else who's maybe on the inside give make Beto the one who's like wavering. He could still get killed. Yeah, because I think that was supposed to be the case with Gravik. Like Gravik, oh, Gravik has this mysterious connection with Nick Fury. I wonder what it is. And <laughs> then it mad, was like, bro. oh, <laughs> oh, they used to work together. Yeah, <laughs> coworkers. Oh, they oh that Former. that's it. That's literally the whole connection. They just used to work together. Oh, cool, got it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he resents Fury. You know, I thought it was an interesting thing where he's like, you recognize this? This is the first person I ever killed on your orders. Mm-hmm. Great idea there. Make it Gaia. Make that Gaia. Yeah. You know, I th- I really think that would have tightened things up a little bit. It would have raised the stakes for ostensibly our two lead characters, Fury and Talos. Um, makes the entire thing personal. Uh, you can keep, you know, the whole storyline about, you know, the scrolls are getting antsy because of Fury abandoning them after the blip. Uh, you know, you could keep a lot of this the same, but just but that one change, I really feel like now the stakes have been raised emotionally um, and you can still keep the, you know, the spy stuff. Do you feel like Fury would have forgiven Gaia if she killed Talos, though? At least that's what I put together in my head as you're saying she is the the combined character because she would have yeah. to kill him now, now right? Now, obviously, like, pretty much the whole ending of the story would necessarily be different because, right, right, right. you know, she's our scroll ex machina there at the end. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so obviously the entire, you know, la- 
entirety of the last two episodes would need to be rethought there. Uh, so, you know, we can't really speculate, you know, how would things have ended? You know, maybe she would have still died um, as Gravik did. Maybe she would have killed Talos. Maybe she wouldn't have. Maybe somebody else would have killed Talos. And that would be the thing that starts giving her pause. Yeah. But by this point, everything has spiraled out too far so she can't control it. So you can still get, you know, the secret invasion happening, the president declaring war on all aliens. And now she's yeah, like, I, I need s- to make this up to I you. I could see this working because maybe she accidentally kills Talos. She gets yeah. all these powers and then she's like, I don't know, they get in a fight and she accidentally, you know, Groot trees him through the heart or something. Yeah. I don't know. like Yeah, because she doesn't know how to control the powers. Yeah, yeah and, and then I think, you know, you can still have her as you know, ending up on Fury's side, but now it's a much grayer thing, first of all. She's maybe another superhero motivated by guilt, like uh, Spider-Man. And I think that would have been interesting going forward. And you have, like, these true believer scrolls who, even though she's now not leading them, they are like, we're going to carry out her mission even if she's not here with us. Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. Hire me, Marvel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not uh, right now. Not right now, but later. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. No. Wait. Wait until you're. Yeah. You're not. You wait until you're actually paying your writers. Yeah. So Sonya meets Doctor Rose Dalton and her husband Victor at their private lab, immediately making it clear that she knows their scrolls. With her agents holding them at gunpoint, she questions Rosa, asking her about the machine she built for the scrolls. After their conversation, Sonya has her agents take the Daltons, burn down their lab. Victor attempts to break free, putting a gun to Rose's head and threatening to kill her, but Sonya calmly shoots him instead. I'm going to say something nice about secret invasion. Everybody (laughs) hold on to your pants. Something we're all going to agree with, probably. I was going to say it too. Olivia Coleman's performance as Sonya is so good. She's fantastic. She's great. She's a great side character. Um, Yeah, That is a character done very correctly. I really hope they bring her back in future stuff. Yeah. You know who I... All right. Here we go. Now I'm going to strike back with Venom. Uh, here, <laughs> Venom. Now I'm going to strike back with Carnage. Uh, <laughs> Let that be Carnage. Do you know who Sonya is a better version of? Tell me. Power Broker. Uh, not Power Broker, but in that show, too. She shows up at the end of that one. Um, oh, uh, Louis Dreyfus. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Julia, uh, what's yeah, her name? The, Val. Val. There we go. Yeah, Contessa. Yes. Yeah. Sonya is a better version of that. Hmm. Okay. I would mother, much rather have... Sonia, I know she's British, whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, things are different. But I think she fills a similar void, like a similar character archetype, and I think um, she is better. I, well, I, maybe, are we going to say the same thing? Possibly. I don't think we've had enough time with Val to know if Sonia's better. That's the first thing I was going to say. And the second thing I was going to say is she's pretty much Val's British counterpart. Isn't right. she like the head of MI6? Yes, which is why... And, uh, and right. Val is the head of the CIA. Right. We need them together is what we need. Uh. I, I would like to see them together. I just... I don't know. Sonya immediately jumped off the screen for me. Oh, yeah. Very, I mean, Olivia Coleman's just yeah, She's great. wonderful. She's the queen. <laughs> and um, I wanted to see more of her, whereas yeah. uh, Val... She's been fine in the stuff that she's been in. Obviously, she hasn't been giving any time. Yeah. But I don't think Sonya was given like a ton of time. But it I seems like, like the time that she's been given, she really like. Man, I like how uh, brutal she was while also being like chipper. Like incredibly like, polite. It yes. just worked so well yeah. for me. Like, 
Oh, man. She's a great Nick Fury type character where you're like, yes. how am I supposed to feel about her? Yeah. She's the best Nick Fury type character in the show. In the oh. Nick Fury show. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she's she's great in this. Yeah. Uh, and they need to use her more. Well, and like... Marvel has a lot of really great pieces and it feels like they're focusing sometimes on the wrong ones. Like, I want them to focus a little more... Like... Okay, this is going to be a controversial thing to say. I think the MCU should stop looking at the comics to decide where their next stories are going to be. I think we are so far along in the MCU that they should be significantly more focused on making original stories with their characters and still taking homages to the comics. Yeah. But take something like Shang-Chi, which was a almost complete recreation of the mm-hmm. character. And think about how successful it was when you took creative people, gave them freedom with this character, and let them make something interesting. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy is another great, great example. example of them just being like, look... Just do what you can with this character, but make it interesting, yeah. make it exciting. Um, mostly because we've seen a lot of these stories already, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, Secret Invasion obviously is handled incredibly differently in the comics. Yeah. But it is still looking at that as like a blueprint for mm-hmm. what this should be. A very loose blueprint, but still a blueprint. I would argue that Thor Ragnarok also is one of those ones that yeah. moves. They're, they're like, what if we took a Thor movie and like the main thing they took from the comics was Planet Hulk. Yep. And they said, but how? let's make that a Thor story. And they reworked it and kind of did their own thing with it. Yep. It was great. And I think some of these shows are doing that. Like, I think all of the Loki stuff is all really interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and WandaVision. I, WandaVision's another one that's done some really yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. You know, everyone was comparing it to House of M. It's really not much like House of M no, at all. No, no, mm-hmm. not at all. No more Westview. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I want them to do some more original, interesting stuff. I want them to put characters together that aren't normally together, even mm-hmm. in the comic books. Yeah, I want to see some more... Like, I want them to take more risks but and it because it seems like they're taking a lot of risks now mm-hmm. but they're taking in my opinion the wrong risks like i think they are taking as weird as it sounds the safe risk you yeah. know <laughs> all right we're going to take a risk here guys we're going to give nick fury his own show Ooh. very risky of us yeah. right you know like what if we did a whole show about mi6 and everything happening in the uk and we brought in captain britain and we did a whole thing about What's going on in the UK and the UK like? Do we have any Avengers. Captain Britain plans? Because I would love to see some some Braddocks. They, yeah. I I feel like with as much as they're leaning into the multiverse, it's only a matter of time before we get Captain Britain. Well, we got the Captain Britain core is like the keeper of the multiverse. Yeah. Well, we also have mutants. So Psylocke, right? Yeah. Like uh-huh. that. That makes sense if we're going to consider Psylocke a mutant sure. in this universe, maybe. Um, you see those like fake things on Facebook all the time where people yeah. do those castings and they yep. make it look really legitimate in the the With Henry shop. Cavill is that's the Captain one I saw. Britain. Yeah. And uh, who was? Oh. And it was um, I think it was Emma Watson as Betsy Braddock. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't see her as Psylocke, no, but yeah, no. like not even at all. No, <laughs> not, even not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just think. There could be a lot more interesting stuff that they could be doing right now. I still want my Jimmy Woo TV show. Hell yeah. Me too. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Yeah. You know, that could be like a 
comedy X-Files set in the MCU. Yeah. Like, how, how good would that be? I also get that it was just a cameo for two movies, but just give us a new Howard the Duck movie. I think that would kill. <laughs> yeah. I think it would kill. I think it'd be so good. I feel like people know so little about Howard. If you, unless you're like a mega fan, you know nothing about Howard yes. the Duck. I feel like they could do whatever they wanted with exactly. that. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the comics. Howard is the same way. They just pretty much did whatever they felt like with Howard. Yeah. So there, there's... You know, that would be in keeping with the spirit of Howard the Duck. Well, and like... And you got to bring back Leah Thompson. <laughs> it feels like they're really concerned with this, with their connected universe... And it almost feels like they're a little too concerned with it. Like, I want them to just focus on making good movies and good TV shows. And then eventually we'll bring everybody together. But for now, Mm -hmm. just make the best thing that you can. We're the only ones saying this. Everyone else is talking about how rudderless the MCU is. Yes. <laughs> Which is inter- it's so interesting that they're saying it like that. To Writer- me, I writerless? Think- Rudder- rudderless. Rudder- I mean, everything's writerless Rudder- right now. Rudderless? rudderless. Yeah. Like, it feels like it doesn't not have enough- a direction. It's not building to something. Oh, not enough Paul Rudd it is feels what I thought you meant. very clear that, that it's too. building to something to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that people exaggerate how much the Infinity Saga was actually building to Infinity War. No, it, it, there were a few post-credit scenes and then uh-huh. a bunch of stuff that was retcon later to be like, oh, hey, remember that goo we saw in this movie? Boom, yeah. Infinity Stone. Because uh, it was <laughs> yeah. like, well, yeah, yeah. you know, an Infinity Stone still showed up in, a, in every couple movies. I'm like, yeah, but they also had their own function within that movie. Yeah. And they're like, by the way, this is Infinity Stone. Like the Time Stone, it had a very specific reason to be in Doctor Strange. Yes. And then you can be like, by the way, it's an Infinity Stone. Uh, same thing with the Power Stone. I mean, that was basically just a MacGuffin in the uh, in Gardens of the Galaxy, but it worked for that. Um, I forget, you know, you know that it just didn't feel like everything was built to set up Infinity War because yeah. if that were the case, then the theory that people had before Black Panther that the meteor that brought the vibranium and created the heart shaper or had the soul stone in it. That would have been true. <laughs> if yep. that was what that they were doing. That was a theory? That was, yeah. yeah. Oh. I think we, yeah. I don't remember talking about that. Did we talk about that? Well, I mean, the movies was, had already come out by the time we yeah. started the podcast. So. Also, it was a long time ago. I don't yeah. remember what we talked about last week, so. I don't remember what happened last week, clearly. No. Actually, we didn't talk about any, anything last week. Yeah. We were doing boys stuff. That sounds weird. We <laughs> we were doing boy stuff like no 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 don't elaborate oh all right don't elaborate just leave it like that I won't we'll leave that to your imagination what boy and stuff and if you means. don't if you order the Cuban they will kick you the fuck out <laughs> there's still some short ribs on the table there's still, <laughs> there's still short ribs on we the still table. got beef bulgogi oh my god these are I apologize these are the insidest of jokes no yeah. don't apologize all right anyway Jeff continue <laughs> yeah Jeff Gaia takes Talos's body Jeff. to Priscilla's home where she finds the older scroll waiting for Gravik's rebels. At first, she thinks Gaia is working for Gravik, but she tells her who she really is, asking for help to bury her father. Back at the hospital, the president awake and Rhodey meets with him, telling him that the scrolls are working with Russia, that he's received corroborating evidence from Sonya. Rhodey shows the president the new location of new scrolls and said that they need to destroy it, promising the support of the other NATO powers. The president is hesitant as a strike on Russia, uh, Russian soil will, uh, would mean the start of World War III, but Rhodey convinces him to do it, saying that a scroll invasion would mean the extinction of humanity. Gravik calls Fury, offering him a deal. He tells the old spy master about the strike and says that he will call the whole thing off if Fury brings him the harvest in person. 
Fury clearly anticipated this as he's already catching a f- uh, flight on a private jet to Finland. At this point, we get a surprise cameo from Black Widow's Rick Mason. Oh, yeah. It took me a second yeah. to recognize who that was because yeah. uh, of the beard, but yeah. I, it was not the appearance of that actor that set it off. It was the way he talked to Nick Fury. Yeah. He's like, I don't even remember what he said. He's like, something like, how about a thank you? Yeah. Yeah. No? Okay. It was one of those little cameos that, you know, makes sense. It was, yeah. It was a fun little thing for people who remember Black Widow. After some witty banter, during which we find out that the helicarrier has been mothballed. <laughs> Uh, Mason gives Fury something he'll need on the other side, and they set off. Damn, man. You, I didn't know it was a grudge. I didn't know you wanted the helicarrier dead. I I assumed that they shut that stuff down after Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah? It, yeah. It's not a grudge, but it has sort of... It's like taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Like My hate for the helicarrier is its own character. That's you true. Know? That's true. Yeah. Villain origin story yeah. over here. Uh, outside Conference the rooms. Fury residence, Priscilla and Gaia give Talos a funeral and a touching private ceremony. Gaia says that Talos deserved to have possessions of mourn- er, processions of mourners, but Priscilla points out that he was never one for pageantry. The funeral requires an offering, which Gaia provides, her mother's ring. The young scroll doesn't know the funeral prayer, but Priscilla recites it instead as Gaia sets fire to her father's pyre. She bids him a final farewell in the scroll language, saying, Travel well to your beyond, father. After the funeral, the two of them go back inside, and Gaia tells Priscilla that the last thing she told her father was that he was a failure. Priscilla comforts her, and they share a chuckle about Fury. Talking about Fury. Gaia asks Priscilla why she stayed in the house, despite Gravik wanting to kill her. Priscilla says that she loves the house, talking about how she first got it and how she and Fury built a life together. Gaia asks her if Fury ever saw Priscilla in her own skin, which offends the older scroll. Priscilla tells her off, then composes herself and says that when it comes to facing down uh, her would-be assassin, she would rather do it right there in her own home. At that very moment, the scroll strike team Gravik sent attacks, leading Priscilla and Gaia to take cover while they arm up. Despite the army of rebels who come after them, the two scrolls managed to hold their own and survive, and Gaia didn't even have to use any of her new powers to... Yeah, they didn't have a problem (laughs) at all in that. Like, that's the weakest team of assassins that... Gravit could have sent. Yeah. Not that like the two of them aren't formidable, but they had like no problem. Yeah. I think these characters are interesting. I want to see them together and I want it to happen not in the second to last episode as like a small little thing added in there. Hey, listen guys, I don't know if you've come around on this, but maybe if we didn't spend a collective total of like 18 minutes of screen time lecturing Nick Fury, we would have had (laughs) that kind of stuff. In Finland, Mr. Uh, Kerhonen arrives at the airport. Kerhonen! Outside, it's revealed that it was Fury using shield technology, which we've seen before in Captain America the Winter Soldier. He meets Sonya, who's waiting for him, and comments about how S.H.I.E.L.D. spent a billion dollars on the technology, called Widow's Veil, and she still couldn't get it to disguise more than the user's face. Fury says there's a newer version that can do the whole body, it's just not the one he has on him. They then drive off, listening to Audacity by Stormzy. Back in London, Priscilla. Thanks for that collider. <laughs> <laughs> Back in London, Priscilla drops Gaia off and tells her to be careful. Presumably, we'll find out in the next episode what exactly she needs to be careful with. Uh, as Fury and Sonya drive towards the Russian border, he asks her why she gave Rhodey evidence of the scroll base. She is then quite shocked when he reveals that Rhodey is a scroll, asking why Gravik would want to blow up his own people. 
Fury explains the gambit, illustrating how Gravik plans to start World War III. She then asks him about the harvest and reveals that during the events of Avengers Endgame, nearly every Avenger and others spilled blood. So after the battle was over, Fury sent a secret team of scrolls to collect the DNA led by Gravik. He speculates that probably when Gravik came up with his plan... Uh, to make Super Scrolls. In other words, Fury really is responsible for the whole mess that's happened, and that's the real reason why he came back. Look, I, I get it. I get the whole DNA thing. I get you want to collect the, the blood samples of all these different people. All that I get. Why is it all in one vial? That's a they, good question. Yeah. yeah, you think they all have the same blood type? Why the fuck is there just one vial of Avengers Super DNA sitting there? And not just Avengers, too. Like Chitari. Yeah, why? Like the yeah. Black Order. Mm-hmm. Why is it all in one vial? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I expected like a warehouse of like shelves of blood. Like, or like the Dexter Morgan I, thing. You know what I imagined? I imagined in, call back here, buckle up. I imagined like in The Incredible Hulk when he has been sent the blood sample and he creates all of those different samples of oh, blood. Oh, yeah. I yeah. imagined something like that where they had lots of DNA and the DNA was everywhere. Not one vial mixed in with every single bit of DNA from that entire fight. Yeah, that is kind of strange. Uh, I feel like it's in there too. Yeah, I feel like it would have been just as uh, just as showy to have like a bunch of different vials, just, or just make it a suitcase, or like yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Dexter. I know I just said that, but have you guys seen the show Dexter? Yeah, you seen it? No, but he's, I'm familiar with he's, it. He's he's a serial killer who's what? also yeah I know who's also working for the police force and he's like a blood spatter analyst. So like Mm -hmm. he knows how to kill very well to like uh, avoid detection for the most part. And that's the drama of the show is like, ah, will he get away with it? The cops are onto him. The people he works with are onto him, but he only kills like bad people. Right. And he has this little trophy collection. Basically every time he kills somebody, he takes a vial of their blood or a drop of their blood. He puts it in this little like, glass slat Mm. and then he puts that slat into a little wooden box and he has like like slat after slat like he like rubs his hand on it sometimes like you know like Mm -hmm. and he to like look at his trophy collection basically they could have done that pretty easily yeah yeah there's no reason it had to be one vial that was weird strange choice they arrive at a graveyard where fury leads sonya to the grave of cole uh (laughs) Who's Cole? Cole? <laughs> the Sprouse? <laughs> the cream of Colonel Nicholas J. Fucking Red Bull was on the oh, teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Apparently, Jay Cole has a few fake graves around the world, and this is one where he hid the harvest. Sonya asks him again why he doesn't call the Avengers, and Fury says that this is personal and that they can't keep depending on superheroes to save the day, even though they will. He truly believes that none <laughs> of them can defend the world he can. Okay. That is some boomer ideology. It's so stupid. That's... It's such a bad reason. Mm. These young whippersnappers don't even know. I I feel like they could have just left it at this is my fight because I'm guilt I feel guilty. They could have very easily left it at that. I don't need to be have some sort of explanation every time the Avengers don't show up in somebody else's movie because I don't care. 
I I know some people do. I don't. I'm fine if you know Iron Man doesn't show up in Doctor Strange. You know, I don't care. It's fine. He says that the only power he has was planted between my ears by a single mother and wrapped around his finger by a woman who's far greater than he ho- could ever hope to be. Sonia asks him why he chose to leave Harvest in Finland, and Fury says he and Priscilla honeymoon there, revealing to her that his wife is a scroll. Fury then retrieves the Harvest, and Sonia asks him if he's uh, really just going to hand over to Gravik. Fury gives a cryptic response as always and steps inside a small building close to the grave. Inside, he activates some secret boxes, retrieving one of his iconic leather suits, an eye patch, and a gun. <laughs> he then suits up and sets out to finish this. Not going to lie, I did enjoy that. It was silly that he suited up as a regular person. But I, I dug it. <laughs> you don't keep a mausoleum costume just in case? I thought the whole... I thought the mausoleum, like, they were all little doors and he had things hidden in them. I thought that was cool. Where Some he fucking switched out his black beanie for a red beanie. <laughs> I thought, I, I That's thought, how you know he means business. I thought that was a little... Yo, bu- give me the maroon beanie much. and let's go. <laughs> he was like, hold on, I got to switch up my beanie oh, here. Oh, <laughs> no, I normally wear all black. They got to know, like, oh, he's got a red head or a, a maroon head this time. Oh, so I got to put my eye patch back on. Yeah. It doesn't li- do literally anything because yeah. I can't see. <laughs> but I'm going to wear an eye patch. Because because that makes me Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah, do we have to have? I I get when that happens in a superhero origin story where like the pentultimate episode, like ah Kamala's in her like really cool outfit now. She looks like Ms. Marvel. Like, uh, why did we need that for Nick Fury? He's already been in the MCU forever, and yeah, he had a hat change. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's so what they said was um we didn't. Uh, <laughs> We we didn't. I do think it was fun. I think I agree with Chris, but I don't know if I agree in exactly the same way. I think it was fun because it was really stupid. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay, hold I, on. I, imagine I, you are on. Imagine you're Nick Fury, uh-huh. and you're at a mission of uh, of that is timed. This yeah. there is there is timing involved here. This dude's about to tell his guy to tell the president to nuke Russia. Yeah, and you're like, well, hold on. I'm not wearing the right hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold on, let me change my trench coat. Like, fucking go, man. <laughs> Who are you showing off for? I'm realizing that I what I liked most about the show was when it leaned into being ridiculous. Like him saying, <laughs> yeah. even when I'm out, I'm in. No, I'm like, yes, that. I liked that. <laughs> I liked him suiting up. And we'll talk about something in a finale that I liked that was probably stupid, but I liked it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So we're moving on to episode six, Home, written by Kyle Bradshaw and Brian Tucker, directed by Ali Salim once again. The episode begins with Fury calling his wife Priscilla. It's essentially a goodbye call. And That's it's her cute, name. And it's clear that Fury... What? <laughs> Just the, calling his wife Priscilla, and I said, That's her name. <laughs> well, it's kind of the deal. He keeps calling her Priscilla, but she's Vara. No, I know. Yeah. I know. But uh, the, but yes, the I... sentence was written that he dials her number. Yeah, the episode begins with Fury calling his wife Priscilla. I know. It just... It's a comma. <laughs> comma, 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 chameleon. It's essentially a goodbye call, and it's clear that Fury doesn't know if he'll come back, which is how you know he's going to stay alive. Yeah. After the call, a car approaches the gates of New Skrullos. Uh, the guards open fire, but Fury wasn't even in the car. After quickly <gasps> shooting them down, Fury walks into the Skrull compound. That was cool, where the car was actually empty and yeah. he comes out shooting. I thought that was cool. Yeah. 
After the credits, we catch up with Rhodey, who is still pushing for the nuclear strike. Uh, the admirality <laughs> is hesitant to make such a move without verifying if the Russians really are working with the scrolls. But Rhodey presses harder, showing the president live footage of Russian troops moving to their borders with Ukraine and Finland. Rava already has a speech written for the president, making one last push to launch the strike. At New Scrollos, Fury walks through the compound, which is eerily deserted. The bodies of Beto and the other scrolls who turned on Gravik have been left where they, uh, where they were killed, but there's no sign of anyone alive. Fury doesn't have long to ponder this, as the radiation levels of the compound are already causing him trouble breathing. Fury stumbles through the compound, coughing and shaking. Which is really interesting, because now that we know that that was Gaia, who was that show for? Uh, was he like, what if Gravik is watching me right now? Well, uh, no, I, I, I think yeah. it was just in case there's security cameras or something. I agree with that. I yeah, think I think fair. she would have wanted to put that show on the whole time sure. just to be safe. At the hospital, Rhodey gets a call from Sonia Fallsworth, who tells him to move the president immediately and that Fury's headed straight for him. Rhodey questions why they should worry about Fury, but Sonia tells him that Fury's lost his mind. Back at the compound, Fury finally makes his way down to the reactor room, where Gravik is waiting with the Super Scroll machine. Fury asks him where all the scrolls went, and Gravik reveals that he locked them all up, preventing their escape from the impending strike. Fury attempts to take some iodide pills to fight the steadily worsening radiation poisoning, but he drops the bottle and Gravik kicks them down the drain. Gravik then offers him a drink, toasting the last stand of the great Nick Fury. Rhodey and his team move the president to a higher floor, sending out agents to hunt for Fury, but the hunters are in turn hunted by an unseen killer. In the reaction room, Fury's dying from exposure to radiation, and Gravit comments that without the pills, the symptoms are going to accelerate. Gravit asks Fury if he had a backup plan, some Avengers on standby, or an invisible cloak and shield. He also asks Fury if he re- uh, recognizes the face Gravit's been wearing, which was the face of the first human the scroll killed on Fury's orders. Gravik is surprised that Fury doesn't remember, but this was a formative moment for the young scroll. Uh, that man was just the first of many, and Gravik still feels the weight of all those killings, blaming Fury for using the scrolls as his private spies. Gravik's fu- uh, hatred for Fury is only matched by his hatred for Talos, who in Gravik's eyes turned the scrolls from a warrior race to a band of beggars. That's interesting. I wish we would have explored that and not had it be just a monologue of the last episode. <laughs> and so, Gravik. Tell not show. <laughs> It's just so much of <laughs> what could have been really interesting being used as like a throwaway line type of, not a throwaway line, but like, it's just like a little like here, this, oh yeah, that actually sounds really, I would love to explore this thing of like, the scrolls are a warrior race, what actually happened on their planet. You know, it was a really interesting storyline that ended up going nowhere when Talos kept trying to stop Nick Fury from killing scrolls. And yeah. Like, he was like really against it. That was like an interesting thing that was happening. I was really interested to see where that goes. Yeah. And it went nowhere. Yep. Yep. And so Gravik wraps up his final supervillain speech by saying that he will first kill Fury and then take a fl- flamethrower to humanity, stressing the Fury that it's all because Fury failed to keep his promise. Surprising even Gravik, Fury admits he failed. He knew early on that finding a new home for the scrolls would be impossible, and yet he kept stringing them along. The only way he could have kept his promise was by building them a home on Earth, but he didn't do it because it was easier to focus on saving lives than to change the hearts and minds of humanity, even for Nick Fury. 
The old spy master finally reveals that he felt uh, what he felt when he was snapped out of existence, relief that he could finally stop fighting. He also says that he finally came back uh, to Earth because he felt responsibility for Gravik. As his secret service agents at the hospital start dropping like flies, Fury offers Gravik the harvest, the DNA collected from every combatant in the Battle of Earth. In exchange, he asks that Gravik take the scrolls and leave Earth. Gravik takes the harvest from Fury just as Rhodey is getting the president to a new room. The president takes a gun from one of the agents, and elsewhere, the order to initiate the strike on New Skrullist is given. Fury lies on the floor of the Super Scroll machine, his symptoms getting progressively worse as Gravik checks the samples, commenting that Fury really does want to die. Sonya surprises Rhodey as Gravik activates the machine with Fury still in it. Yeah, that part I found kind of funny. I don't know. Th- this is definitely not what you were talking about because you would have spoken up, but I don't know. I I assume that the machine wouldn't work on a human, but one small part of my head was like, so you're going to give both of you powers or yeah. what? Yeah, like, you're going to, f- like, before we know for sure that that's Gaia, it's like, why don't you push him out of that before you do this so that m- if it does work on humans, you don't give him all your fucking powers. Yeah, for me, by this point, I'd already figured, oh, it's Gaia. Because, <laughs> like, they're yeah. not going to sure, kill-, no. kill Nick Fury. Who could it be? Oh, probably a scroll. No, I didn't. <laughs> you know? I didn't think he was dumb enough to go into the place that he yeah. was taking all that radiation poisoning anyway. So, like, I was I was suspicious it wasn't him for a long yeah, time. He's got a movie to star in. <laughs> but I just think that, like, like you said earlier when we were talking about episode five, Eduardo, this guy who's supposed to be like pretty calculating decides to run the machine with Fury in it, like. I don't know. I just think that was an an unnecessarily stupid risk because what was Gaia going to do if she had gotten pushed out? You have to fight the super, super scroll versus the super scroll at that point instead of double super scroll fight. Like he would have won easily, Yep. which obviously is not how we want the plot to end from a writing standpoint, but still like it just wasn't, I guess that's the, the folly of villains, right? Is that they make one dumb mistake. The hubris of the supervillain. They let the enemy get one hit on them, and then they 100 to zero combo, you know? This is the Power Rangers battle for the grid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> Sonia holds Rhodey at gunpoint while at the reactor room, the machine powers down, revealing Gravik in his natural scroll form, practically sizzling with power. Also, he's <laughs> suddenly incredibly swole. Yeah, sizzling. <laughs> Gravik attacks Fury, who then reveals the ace up his sleeve. With his arm changing into that of the Hulk, Fury sends Gravik flying out of the building. Stepping out of the rubble, Gaia reveals herself, haha, what? having tricked Gravik into <laughs> giving her the same powers he had just stolen. <gasps> uh, just so we're clear, this may- now makes Gaia the single most powerful hero in the MCU so far, with the combined abilities of Captain Marvel, the Avengers, Thanos, the Black Order, and many more. Yeah, that's kind of a big thing that they've just through into the universe there and yep. it also though i don't know that i fully buy that because like we don't really know the concentration of each of those people's powers like yeah she has all those dna samples in her power set but is she 100 percent as str- as if she speaking just on her captain marvel powers does she have a hundred percent of the strength that captain marvel has as captain marvel or does she have a fraction of each of those things you know what i mean like she's definitely strong as fuck Strong as fuck, boy. Let me tell you how I thought this episode was going to go from this point. I thought that 
the president was going to launch the nuke. And Gaia, having defeated Gravik, would sacrifice herself to stop the nuke, do the Iron Man thing, <laughs> thereby eliminating this incredibly powerful person so we don't have to worry about it going forward. Mm. And I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wonder how her power actually scales, though. I don't, I, I mean, cool. I think she could be the strongest person in the MCU, but... I guess it's hard to say for sure. She uses a power at one point that is not of anyone that's there. She uses ghosts, like phasing ability. And oh, yeah. Did you guys pause to see oh, whatever episode? Oh, I was episode? trying to figure out what that was. Did that you was pause ghosts? to look I at all the different things? See, because I thought maybe Vision. Maybe Vision. But I he saw, also was not there. I saw one of those okay. dumb Facebook maybe fake things like we talked about earlier. That had the list of all the characters, yeah. but I didn't really trust it because there were like a bunch of Chitari, just random Chitari that were listed on there like three or four times. So it's like, why would you put these random yeah. baddies on here more than Joe once? Joe Chitari. Yeah, Joe. Jeff Chitari. It, it looked yeah. like Ghost Powers to me. Okay. Ghost yeah. wasn't at the the Battle for Earth. No. No. So. I wonder, I wonder, um, you guys did not pause that list then? No. no. Okay. I wanted to go back and do that later, and then I forgot. Did you have any disappointment that this... I mean, we're not at the very end yet, but did you have any disappointment that this show, once again, a show, a Disney Plus show, did not hint at, like, (laughs) the Fantastic Four? Yes. Like... Were we hoping that there would be some powers that from people that didn't exist already in there? It seems very clear, one, that Disney is in a tumultuous time along with every other. Disney more than anyone, but uh, just like studios are in a tumultuous time. Marvel has definitely decided to scale back a lot of its plans. Mm-hmm. And I think the Fantastic Four, while still a big part of their future is a casualty of that. It is a thing that's going to get moved down a little bit. I think it'll be delayed a little bit. I think we won't hear about stuff happening with the Fantastic Four for a while. They just had... Um, what did I see? It was like last year at Comic-Con. Was it Comic-Con? Yeah, last year at Comic-Con, they revealed like 12 different things, like new shows, movie mm-hmm. stuff. This year, they revealed one. Really? It was one thing. I never pay attention and to And I think stuff. it was that something was delayed. Like, oh. I think that was the only thing that was quote-unquote revealed. Yikes. Uh, that was it. You think that's because they already spent the year before revealing 12 new properties? I think, I think it, it's a lot of things. I think it's a lot yeah. of things, and I think a big part of it is that they're scaling back. Like, they're separating. Uh, there's a lot more time in between Disney Plus shows now. Yeah. You know, there's they clearly feel like they were, they've oversaturated the market with their own content. They were already mm. dialing back and now we have two strikes going on as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I do like as far as having stuff. I mean, everybody that listens to this podcast knows that we have no shortage of things to talk about. They don't have to do with Marvel at all. We will talk about the fucking paint drying on the wall mm-hmm. for 35 minutes. Like we'll find a way. Yeah. Um, but I do so I will say I like the amount of stuff that it gives us to discuss, but I do think that the movies are a little more special. You know, it's like, um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think a lot of people share the sentiment Earl of sandwich when they had the holiday sandwich as a special, 
They would only show up around Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then it would go away until next Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I used to fucking run, not really. If you see me running, that's not me. But I, I would <laughs> run. To, yeah, I would run to Earl of Sandwich when that when that sandwich came around because it was so good. I mean, I still love it, but it was special because it was limited. It was limited time. Yeah. And then they put it on the menu regularly, and it's still very tasty. But I never fucking I go to Earl of Sandwich time. anymore. Yeah. I never go because the thing that drew me there is just always there now, and I don't know what that says about me. But I also feel like that's maybe where we're at right now is that there's so much stuff that everything on its own is not maybe as special. There's not enough time in between to think about the different things that could happen to speculate. Like people, not that people don't speculate, but I don't know. I, I kind of see it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't, it's not superhero fatigue. No. Because I don't think it's superheroes are not the problem. I think Across the Spider-Verse showed that you can have a really successful superhero movie in this day, yeah. and it can still be incredible, but it has to innovate. You have to try new and interesting things. You can't continue to try to tread the same water that you have been treading, because that is what that is the oversaturation. That is what people are tired of. Yeah. And I think Secret Invasion, is it is too much of the militaristic, you know, spy thriller that we have sort of seen in the MCU quite a few times now. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think it's not superhero fatigue. I agree with you. I think it's mediocre fatigue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think there's been a lot of just okay stuff, and I think that is starting to catch up with Marvel. Yeah. I think, like... I am very excited for the Marvels because every trailer for it has made it look like it's going to be a very fun movie. Oh, yeah, did you watch that yet? Yeah. Okay. So intergalactic. Yeah. Sick use of that. That song. is a, such a good remix of a trailerified version. Yeah. Yeah. I think Brie Larson works really, really, really well. With the character, I, I forget her name, the one that plays Miss Marvel. What's her name? Um, oh, Iman Vellani. Yeah, Iman Vellani. I think those two characters, I think a mistake made in the first Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel movie was that they paired her up with Nick Fury, uh -huh. and Nick Fury was. Nick Fury is also the straight man. So they tried to make Captain Marvel the sort of comedic relief type quippy mm -hmm. one, but that's not that character. That character is like a. She's like a strong, imposing figure. She not is a lot of nonsense. Literally, the most terrifying. Like people are like scared to hear her name. Yeah, like, she yeah. is a terrifying presence to anyone who does anything bad. And she's cooler than you, and she's more powerful than you, and she knows it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think it works much better when you have someone like Miss Marvel tagging alongside her. Be be the not even just the comedic relief, but be the like inexperienced young Yeah. Fangirl. You know, I, yeah, fangirl yeah. type thing. And then using Monica Rambeau to kind of glue them together. That's gonna like, be so good. I think mm -hmm. it's actually gonna work really well. I I'm I'm the most excited for this movie that I have been for any Marvel movie in a while. Yeah. Save for Guardians three because I'm always going to be excited for sure. James Gunn making a movie. Sure. But but yeah, this is the most where I'm like, I really can't wait to see this. I am expecting to love it, and I am hoping that I do. Yeah. 
Anyway, no Fantastic Four. So yeah. Gaia confronts Gravit, <laughs> calling him flailing and weak, and attacks him. What follows is the epic action sequence we've been waiting for all this while, with Gravik and Gaia using the powers of various characters to battle it out. Uh, on display are the abilities of Drax, Ant-Man. She, Ant-Man? I don't remember. I don't remember Ant-Man. that's not a genetic thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the abilities of Ant-Man. She's a thief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're both thieves for a second. I uh, have a special suit. <laughs> Korg, who doesn't have You don't blood. see them doing the, the sleight of hand? How did they get Korg's DNA? Uh, maybe he drooled somewhere. Uh, yeah, they were like, oh, this rock here, this one has to be Korg. Not any of these other <laughs> <Yeah>. rocks. <laughs> Uh, the Frost Beast and many more. Back at the hospital, Fury explains the situation to the president, telling him that Rhodey has been replaced by a scroll and that the real Rhodey is at the very compound the U.S. is about to bomb along with dozens of world officials. Gaia gains a brief upper hand with Gravik uses, uh, but Gravik uses the power of Ebony Maw to push back Rava, tries to convince the president... Excuse me. Gravik uses the power of Ebony Maw to push back. Rava tries to convince the president to stay on the course. Uh... With the bomb already being prepared, Fury tries to convince the president otherwise, and the Gaia versus Gravik fight kicks up a notch with both of them using Captain Ruffles' powers to, stay, to take to the sky. Okay, so this was the stupid thing that I liked, was the super-duper scroll fight, mm. um, because it's stupid. Uh, and the one, But the one thing that was really stupid was when she made Drax's arm. For some reason, that looked so bad to me. The because it looked like a tiny little it arm. Had such a tiny little it hand. A tiny I, little drag I liked this fight a lot. Yeah, I think the fight is. Cool. I liked the fight. Yeah. It was the most comic book shit that this whole series has given yeah. us, and I loved it for that. Uh, do you think this is where like ninety five percent of the, the two hundred and twelve million dollar yeah. budget went? Hell yeah! <laughs> this was two hundred million for this fight, twelve million for Samuel L. Jackson, and everyone else volunteered their time. They all got twenty seven dollars <laughs> and twelve cents in residuals. Yeah. Fury tries to convince the president otherwise, and the guy of his Gravis because blah blah blah. blah. Gravik <laughs> almost beats Gaia, but she uses the power of Mantis to knock him off, knock him out, not knock him off, <laughs> <laughs> knock him out. Uh, Sonia and Fury tell the president all he has to do is delay the strike and it looks like they may be getting through. Gravik continues to fire at Gaia with both of them finally colliding in an epic anime-esque action sequence that ends with Gaia firing a massive blast through Gravik's torso, presumably killing him. Rava tries to make a move and ends up getting shot in the head by Fury, wrapping that thread as well. The president realizes the truth and Rava turns back into her scroll form at death, calling off the strike. Gaia frees the prisoners, among them the real Rhodey and Everett Ross. It's revealed that Rhodey was replaced very early on with his body in a terrible condition. Gaia then leads them all to safety. Okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah, I want to talk about this a lot. I want to talk a lot about it. Okay, so um, we do not know when Rhodey was picked out. Mm -mm. But there's lots of different kinds of speculation on the internet one has pointed to a scene in Civil War where he's going through an MRI machine after he has messed up his legs and he's in a hospital gown as well. And so a lot of people are pointing to say that he has been a scroll since Civil War. And let's just start there. And that's what the director, he didn't answer, but I saw in an interview, he, he wouldn't give a straight answer. He said, keep watching, but he was implying that that is at least what they want us to think. That that's when he was a scroll. Yeah. Okay. That he got swapped out in the middle of civil war. Interesting. And if that is the case, makes sense. It is, <laughs> and I hate it. Perhaps 
the single dumbest thing the MCU has ever done. The worst story decision they will have ever made. If that is what this is, I agree. I, 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 uh, I posted this in the Discord. I went back and found our Captain Marvel episode. I got very lucky. The second spot I scrubbed to was me starting a conversation about how a lot of people were speculating that Captain Marvel was going to lead into a secret invasion movie as the next big thing after Infinity War. And uh, I talked about how much I didn't want that and how my hatred of using scrolls as retcon material and or, uh, you know, by the way, this guy that you thought you liked was actually a scroll. I talked about how much I hate that in the comics and how much I did not want that coming to the MCU. And I was hoping they were smart enough not to do that. And it's looking like maybe they're not. And that is horrible. Here, uh, just a couple things. If it turns out that Rhodey has been a scroll since Civil War, that means that in Endgame, when Rhodey has that nice moment with Nebula, well, you know, it's just a very small moment where they kind of bond over the fact that they both have you know, physical disabilities that they've overcome. You know, they have a very nice moment there. Rhodey flies to Tony immediately as he's dying. You're going to tell me that they're going to take away this moment between a man and his best friend after, uh, as this man is dying and say, you know, for a twist in a mid Disney plus show that nobody even talked about, like that nobody watched this show, (laughs) you know, we watched it. uh, But, does it have low viewership? I I don't know, but it sure has low talk about ership. Yeah, that's yep. true. Yeah. No no like there has been almost no discussion about this show whereas yep. like most other Disney Plus shows at least have, you know, people talking about, "Oh, here's what happened." Yeah. You know, I don't think anything's ever going to be as zeitgeisty as WandaVision and Loki were. Yeah. But, it's hard to top those. But the 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 show, I feel like it flew completely under the radar. And you're if it's just really disappointing if they're throwing out all this stuff for, you know, for a twist later. Uh, I don't like it when movies, books, whatever, don't have respect for the audience and do a twist just for a twist sake. You know, I a couple weeks ago, I was complaining about the idea that Rhodey had been a scroll since early on because people were wondering that even before this episode and someone said to me boy you must really hate the Mad-Eye Moody twist in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire Um, spoilers it's not really Moody it's uh, David Tennant in disguise Um, the doctor Barty Crouch Barty Crouch Junior (laughs) and it is that weird fucking tongue thing (laughs) 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 yeah what's up with that weird tongue thing it's creepy he he is crazy I mean that's the point and I said no I don't have a problem with that because that is in a self-contained story Mm -hmm. this is not undoing some other stories that some other people are telling um, for a twist in this story Uh, because that's what you get when you get a shared universe if it's planned and honestly even if it was planned ahead for some reason that was dumb of them but if it's if it's not it's still there was no indication in any of that stuff that that wasn't roadie and making it not roadie cheapens so much of it and i hate it i hate it i hate it i hope it's a red herring (laughs) i 
I have other thoughts. Remind me to get back to the other quick thought about that scene in general. But are there any characters that like they 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 have that conversation on the train where there are secretly one million scrolls living on Earth, right? I feel like that's a pretty significant number. Um, and so it seems like inevitably we're gonna we're gonna go forward and find out that some of our characters were scrolls. I don't know. It feels inevitable, but I can't think of a single one that isn't like that is a uh, an important character, right? Like you could you could have some rando like sidekicks that are in five minutes of one movie. Be oh no, like uh, the guy that picked up Fury, he's a scroll. Like yeah, uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, Rick, you said his Rick name Mason. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a scroll. But are there any major characters that we wouldn't hate that they turned out to be scrolls? Because I, th- I'm not think the, the good kind no. of hate either. Because you can make so you can hate something that happens in a story because you're invested. Yeah. Or you can hate something because you feel like it is wasting your time, and that's yeah, what yeah, this yeah. is. I know. Um, are there any characters that you'd go, okay, fine. Ah, you got me. Yeah, it would have to be a character you don't actually care about. <laughs> or um, or them being a scroll actually made sense to a plot. Yes, that's the other thing. The um, only character that I think would have made at least a little bit of sense that would have been interesting for this show, and it was already, like, this whole thing was, it, it wouldn't have made sense because past the first episode, it doesn't make any sense. Maria Hill. If Maria Hill had been secretly a scroll for a long time, I think that would have been fine. I don't think her character is explored enough for us to have anything that would have like really hurt. I think it makes sense to have somebody really close to Nick Fury be a scroll. Mm-hmm. I think all sure. of that would have been. I think that would have been one of the only characters that would have been like, okay, that makes sense if she's been a scroll. I think for a I long agree time. with you on that. Yeah, I think that would have made Maria Hill more interesting because I think she is criminally uninteresting. And, and that would utilized, yeah. And yeah. that would have given some depth to, depth to her character. Um, but then she was shot in the first episode, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that would have been one of the only characters I would have cared about. But the the reason why I don't care is because they don't actually give her any character time. If you've already given me character moments with this person, I've seen them grow. I've seen them actually have character moments. I don't want them to be a scroll because it invalidates all of these things yeah. that I've already watched. And I get that the the thought is they want us to feel betrayed by the character. But no, I just feel betrayed by the storytellers. Yeah, I, d- I do feel like it is very hard to like empathize with this situation. So like we really had, we'd really have to try here. But I do feel like if you were pretending to be somebody for years, and you were around people that that person surrounded themselves with, and you like had to play the part, you know, and like get along with them in the same way and all that kind of stuff, I think it's possible. This is, I, I, I'm just like laying it out there. I'm not saying I fully believe this, but I do yeah. think that it's possible that you could start to grow actual feelings of compassion for that person. Now, I agree with you that it does diminish the him flying to Tony after the snap thing. Like that mm. stuff's tough. If you're the, if you're scroll roadie and you, Scrody. if you're scrody and you do that, like, uh, you're still putting on the show, I guess. Good for yeah. you, yeah. but it kind of diminishes Never the break moment. Character, yeah. Um, but I, I think maybe depending on how long you're playing that character, maybe you do start to, you know, they're method acting, acting right? Like, 
maybe Rava really thinks that she's Scrody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I'm I'm trying to make it work, but I don't think it can work. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I don't think there's any way it works. I have two other thoughts and then maybe I'll shut up. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, one Replacing Rhodey that early doesn't make sense because they didn't start their secret invasion until Fury left Earth after the snap anyway. So why would they have done that? Um, they and, didn't? Yeah. Gravik even says that because Gravik started this whole coup thing when because did the, he was mad at Fury. That's when the million scrolls came to Earth when half of it was snapped? Well, I don't know when. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what he talks about. Because Nick Fury, he's like, you left us. I didn't know what to do. So I had the scrolls come there, which is interesting because uh, it also talks about... I thought about, that happened long before. Yeah. It also I guess talk, I missed that. It makes sense. Be- doesn't make a lot of sense because if that was the case, if they all came back during the snap, wouldn't there be half more scrolls everywhere now? Well, no, because they would have just popped up wherever they... Wherever they were, right? Yeah. So they, but that's what I'm saying is that wouldn't there be scrolls all over the universe again? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Instead of all of them being on Earth? Well, if if... If it's post-snap and there are a million scrolls and they all move to Earth, nothing's happening to those ones after the the blip come or the the reverse blip, right? Uh, but yeah, but I see what you're saying. Now there are scrolls all out there in the universe somewhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing I want to bring up is Everett Ross. No one's asking this question, but how long has he been a scroll? And yeah. I will tell you that Martin Freeman has said he's been on the record saying I have played him as a human. I do not want him to have been a scroll. <laughs> like he's <laughs> just come out and said that he would not be happy if that were the case. Yeah. If it turns out that Ross was a scroll in Wakanda forever. I feel like or that had to have been a recent get. Yeah. Uh by the scrolls. We yeah. A get. I and and my we got Everett. <laughs> my reasoning is he's dressed the same as he was in the first scene of mm-hmm. um Secret Invasion, which makes me feel like they grabbed him off the street and replaced him to go meet this guy. You're like that day. Yeah. Yeah. I I also Because really Rhodey's hate, in a hospital gown. I hate the marketing for this. And maybe I would have hated it more if it was like this, but I hate the marketing that was like, anyone can be a scroll. Look to your left. That person. Anyone can be a look scroll. To look to your right. One of you will. <laughs> one of you is a scroll. Yeah. One of you will commit murder. Statistically speaking. <laughs> yeah. One of you is going to die. And then we go through this like hallway and we know what? Like two people? Um, yeah. Well, l- let me quickly throw this in here because maybe this is the thing that I just missed. If that site is like just littered with radiation, how are all those people alive at all? Why are we thinking harder about this? That's such a fucking good point. No, like, I want to know. Like, that how is, are they alive? No, you're not wrong. That is a great point. They should not be alive. I don't I don't know. Like, They I guess, should all have radiation poisoning and be dead. Yeah, maybe that machine also protects them from uranium. Yeah, but the second that they turn the machine off, they would have all got yeah. radiation poisoning. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, that part was kind of strange to me because I was like... Uh, Especially when they made such a big deal out of Nick Fury being like, oh, my Geiger counter, no. Well, by well, the, and like seconds of him getting there. Well, let me yeah. tell you, though, because I didn't think about Rhodey being in the hospital gown as a, this is how early we got him. I saw him in a hospital gown, and then he was stumbling, and in my in my head, he can walk again just fine because he has, you know, in the 
of the other stuff. He's yeah. he's got his, his braces. Yeah, he's yeah. gotten his abilities mostly back now. But he's in a hospital gown and he's stumbling. And that was my first thought: was damn, he's been here a while. The radiation's getting to him. Oh wow! But oh, okay. but if it happened to that, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously, Gaia was acting when she was fury and she was you know coughing at the radiation, blah blah blah. But it was believable enough by Gravik, like. That maybe it does happen that fast. Because they even say in the in the first episode, the whole reason that they are ca- camping out at abandoned nuclear sites is because humans cannot get there. Only scrolls can survive that. Yeah, radiation. and none of them are wearing any sort of like mask. We can see their full face. Yeah. They're they they're just hooked up to that brain machine. So unless that also prevents fucking like radiative elements from getting in there, I. <laughs> I feel like they should all be dead. I'm with you. Maybe I'm nitpicking too hard. But I don't think you are. That's one of those things where, like, I can separate, uh, like, fiction from nonfiction. Like, I get we're in this universe with, like, I said this to Riley in the Discord earlier. Like, we're in a universe with the talking tree as a character. But that's weird to me. Like, well, that's it, it's weird because they've made a, a point of it to show it earlier as affecting dangerous, some, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, look, look at this. We're gonna call attention to this, and then we're gonna pretend like it doesn't exist. It's later. when Unless, you start breaking your rule, internal rules, that people start to question. Unless all of those people were scrolls, <laughs> and the real Bro. ones are somewhere else completely. Holy shit! And they just removed scrolls from the brain machines. To make it look like they rescued everyone. That'd be wild and <laughs> stupid. And the only the yeah, only way where, to explain the radiation. Where are the rest of this? I'm assuming that Amelia Clark's like Gaia like freed the other scrolls and got out of there with them. Yeah. That's my assumption because they she, don't really talk about the scrolls that were supposedly locked up that were still there. Yeah. There's a lot that they just kind of were like, Oh, it's been thirty minutes, we gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Also, uh, Fury was on to another hindsight thing. Fury was on to Rhodes like about halfway into the series. But when Gaia went down there in episode two and saw the people in the machines, she didn't she didn't see Rhodey right next to I'm sh- I feel like she's R- known it's been Rhodey the whole time. Like three people down from Everett <laughs> Ross. Like he's right there. F- she's not. Hey, that's your bro, right? Like <laughs> he's a scroll. Uh, sometime later, President Ritson addresses the nation, confirming that the scrolls were responsible for the attempt on his life. Ritson declares war against all aliens, setting up a dark future to come for the MCU. Let's talk about this now. I didn't like this part. Do you think they're actually going to do anything with this? No. <laughs> because they did the the whole, oh, that's real one-term president behavior. And spoilers, we already know he's not the president in the next Captain America movie. <laughs> oh. So if between movies they're going to be like, hey, Americans decided they didn't like that and they voted you out, um, that's going to be annoying. Um, because this actually is an interesting idea. I'm sorry. We got 15 seconds here that were a more interesting idea than the entire series of the president declaring war on all extraterrestrials. All right. That's interesting because we already know that we have a lot of alien allies in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, So that's one thing. Um, Another thing is when they start talking about the, these vigilantes who are now killing scrolls and killing people who they suspect are scrolls, but aren't. First of all, this is very clear. They're, they're making scrolls a, they've already been like a refugee story. 
Uh, so they're already kind of like a story about immigrants. And now for me, I, what I feel like is that they're now bringing in uh, kind of metaphorically um, trans people in uh, in this uh, because uh, this is what I thought. The reason my mind went there is when they killed that woman who was a human because they thought she was a scroll. That unfortunately is a thing that happens uh, or people will try to commit a hate crime, uh, but end up committing just a regular crime because the person they think is trans was actually cis. I, I, I'm laughing. Don't do it. I'm not. No, don't do what? I thought you were going to do the Michael Scott. No, I'm just. No, like literal hate crimes. That's like, terrible what you said. Just the way you said it made me chuckle for a second. They accidentally did a real crime. A regular. Yeah, regular crime. Hate I'm crime sorry. is a real crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but it's it's horrible that, that they'll be like, oh, this person's definitely trans, and they kill them because they're monsters. I these. don't think you're far off. I I saw this too. That is, And I think that's very clearly what they were trying to uh, invoke there. Um, and they did it in 15 seconds, and that would have been a much more interesting show. I agree. I do, I, and when I said I don't like this earlier in reference to this moment, I meant that in a I don't like this. It's interesting, like it made me uncomfortable. Yes, seeing yeah. seeing the the squads of random people, well, squads, the vigilantes of people go in and shoot the different scrolls that we had seen through the show, and then one of them not be a scroll, like that made me very uncomfortable. And I was yeah. like, this could work, like. We could explore this. It could be a, a political commentary show, a humanitarian commentary show. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're right. It would have worked. I hope that they don't throw this anti-alien idea away. Um, Captain America, I think, would be a good place to deal with that. Um, we don't know of any aliens that are supposed to be in it, but I think it's an interesting idea. And I would love it if that becomes kind of the backbone of the brave new world. Yeah. That it they does kind of have X Men vibes. I mean, yeah, that's, it does. That's that's the whole X Men thing is that all the politicians are like, ah, X Gene, no bad. Like, yeah, you know, it kind of has that vibe of alien bad because you, like you said, they know some people. They're not necessarily aliens, but some powered individuals have existed for a long time. You gonna like kill Hulk now? Like Bruce Banner's not cool. He I saved. Mean, isn't that the whole? I mean, we're like retreading mutant registration. And... Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, you said the X gene, and you reminded me. I do want to share a little fun Easter egg from this show, which is the show had Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah his uh, genes had a letter X on them. Oh fuck. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Priscilla has a book that she has written. And it's on the shelf, and it's called "Decoding the Superhuman Gene." Oh. And on the back cover is an atom, and the light shining on it is making an X. Oh wow, you were almost right. Yeah, <laughs> so. you were almost accidentally right. That's funny. Yeah. Fury meets Priscilla at their home, which was trashed when the Scroll Rebels attacked Priscilla and Gaia. There, Priscilla asks Fury if he really fell in love with her or with the face she wore, and Fury says he loves her, asking for one last chance. He then tells her that he's going back to Saber that very night. If you can find a way to forgive me, he says as he's leaving, you know where to find me. Sonya and Gaia meet, with Sonya proposing an alliance, offering the Scrolls the resources they need to fight against Ritson's war. Gaia is skeptical, as it sounds a lot like Fury and Talos' old arrangement. Sonya wins her over, promising it will be all business between them, but they will make the planet safer for both Scrolls and humans. 
Fury drives back to the spot where he first landed in episode one and calls the president, telling him off for making a bad situation worse. Sonya takes Gaia to a secret location where a vast number of humans have been kept prisoner, hooked up to more pods like the ones at New Scrollless. Gaia is shocked as she realizes just how deep the Scroll Rebellion actually goes and the monumental task before her. I was kind of confused at what they were implying in this scene. Yeah. All I saw were just a bunch of people hooked up to machines. I was like, oh, so are they using the machines to extract information from people? Does this mean these are all scrolls? Like, I just didn't... I couldn't tell. Was it, Were these people that MI6 had? Yeah. Were they people that they found at other scroll facilities? I don't know. It was really unclear. Kind of had a an Indiana Jones vibe. Top men. Top men, yeah. That's what yeah, it felt top like Top scrolls to working on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it just it was really unclear. Fury tells Ritson that they have to act now to reverse the damage he's done, but the president refuses, telling Fury to get the scrolls off the planet. Fury is clearly disappointed as he prepares to leave. Just then, a car pulls up, driven by Priscilla. She tells Fury that now that humans know about the scrolls, she wants to use her birth name, asking him to call her Vara. Fury tells Vara that he has some good news. The Kree are open to peace talks with the scrolls. Vara is cynical, but Fury tells her it's a good thing and asks for help uh, for her help as a diplomat. He asks her to go with him, and she says uh, she'll help uh, him get started, but she'll have to be back. Vara then takes her natural form and tells Fury she loves him as she is. Fury responds by saying, only as you are, kissing her in her scroll form and making it clear that he loves her no matter what face she wears. Together, they leave Earth Aww. for Saber and hopefully more adventures to come. That's yeah, do another. You think, do you think she's going to be in the Marvels or yeah. not? Yeah. That was another moment where I was like, okay, cool. They're, they're talking about trans people. Yeah. This is cool. Um, very small thing. I think the like light in the field ship coming down thing to take fury to and from saber is really cool and uh, yeah, yeah. i just think mm. it's like a cool it's a very like a almost like et like extraterrestrial yeah yeah, yeah. like alien type th- i just think it's like a cool visual beam me up uh so um what do we think guys episode or series so let's start episode. Or yes let's start episode uh i think these two episodes it worked out really well that we went on that vacation and smushed these together because <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. De- like I said at the beginning of this, this definitely felt like one episode that they cut in half. Also, it was the two shortest episodes of the show. Also, with a two-minute intro and the uh, classic seven-minute outro for the Disney Plus <laughs> shows, it was really like 25 minutes long twice. Um, I th- I think... The rest of the show flopped it for me. I wouldn't say they stuck the landing, but I do think these last two episodes were the most interesting ones. Um, but still, because of the way that they fumbled everything else, it didn't end up really meaning all that much. So I had a good time watching episode six. I thought the pacing was well done, but also I think it was well done because it was one half of one big episode. <laughs> so... I don't know. I I had a good time watching the finale, but it is relative to how I felt watching the rest of it and knowing that like most of the stuff that occurred didn't really matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that I didn't dislike the final episode while I was watching it. And then it ended and I thought back and I was like 
I feel like I'm soured on the series now. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I, and, and the weird thing is, I enjoyed a lot of the episodes as episodes, like as things that happened in them, I enjoyed. But I think I did not care for what ended up being the overall story told. Uh, I compared and I was this is a little bit dramatic, uh, but I compared the, uh, you know, if Rhodey actually has been a skull since scroll since Civil War. I said that this is the MCU's Europe Palpatine moment in the <laughs> sense that it has just deflated my enthusiasm for everything that happened in this series. Yeah. Because once once Kylo Ren said Europe Palpatine to Ray, I was like, okay, this movie's over for me. There's no coming back from this unless they go, JK, you're not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that like I have never so audibly sighed in a movie theater as I did in that moment. And this is the same thing where it's like, this is just, that would be an unforgivable story beat for me. Um, And that I think has, that one thing has soured me on Secret Invasion. Do do you think they'll officially reveal at some point if he is or isn't? I think the fact that they didn't, that they left it open means they want people to talk about it and they can pivot if they decide that that's what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And rewrite Armor Wars for like a fourth time. What do you, okay, so what are you guys gonna rate? Now you, what do you think about it? I feel like I've made my thoughts pretty clear so far. Yeah. But right. In case you didn't listen to the last few episodes, and especially <laughs> this one, just because we had we I, talked, I, I wasn't a big fan. Um, I think this episode kind of. I talked about it earlier, but like I said, that the the way because of the way that they're structuring this is not episodic as a sort of a chopped up movie the ending is going to play a really big part in what I felt about the rest of it because it all has to, it's all too closely together to be viewed as individuals, in my opinion. Um, and so because of that, th- I didn't like this last episode. I didn't like the episode before it. I didn't like the way they wrapped things up. I didn't like the way they use a lot of the characters. And so my scores sort of dropped for a lot of the sh- the episodes that I watched before because like, uh, the other episodes, I was like, oh, if this leads to an interesting place, I would really like this. Some of these character moments are really interesting, but also if they do nothing with them, I will really dislike it. And it, they sort of kind of did everything I didn't want them to do in a lot of ways. Um, so unfortunately, I, I really didn't like this and it really kind of tanked my score for this. Um, so we'll do episodes five and six together. So you could do uh, two scores for each of those and then we'll do the series score. So um, episodes five and six, I'm giving... Um, episode five, a six, and episode six, a six point five. Tiny Drax hands out of ten. God damn, damn it, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, fuck. I was gonna do hold me closer, Tiny Drax hand. <laughs> uh, I was just that gonna say Drax's left arm. Uh, well, haha. Yep. <laughs> man, I don't know. Uh, I'm so, gonna give them both sixes. Six. I gave it half a point more in the the finale because I liked the fight. See, this is a tough rating because if I ignore all the stuff that didn't get resolved in the finale... Then it's a 10. No, 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 (laughs) but I'd probably give it like an 8 because I thought it was an interesting watch. Yeah. Uh, But because I know all this stuff now, I think it does drop down to like a 7 or so. I almost can't rate the episodes individually at this point. I feel like I would just want to move right on yeah, to it's tough. rating the series. And and I I had said before, you know, Eduardo was giving things more points hoping that the series would resolve better. 
I was giving them less points in case it didn't resolve well, and now I almost feel like I gave them too many points. Still? Even, yeah, <laughs> wow. I, I feel like I want to go back and knock everything see, down. The thing is, like, I, I, like, I scored them based on how much did I enjoy watching that at the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I still think those were enjoyable episodes with things, so I, I don't... I would not change my score for those episodes, but it, my series well, rating is going to be much lower than my episode ratings would leave you to believe. Here's where I'm conflicted is that I'm thinking of every other Disney Plus show that we've done, and my overall rating of that series has basically been an average or an aggregate of however I felt about all. Like, I would just, oh, I gave this one an eight, I gave this one a nine, I gave this one a nine, eight and a half overall. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But this one, I'd almost say the overall series is like a six, and all the individual episodes are above that. And it doesn't really make sense for how I have yeah. done the math before. You know what I mean? I have to think about this as not mathy because yeah. sometimes the math, the math just mathing. doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah the math ain't mathing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't have my ranking memorized. I don't got it memorized. I know that's next. I've got them well, here. Series, series let, let, let me let me take. I'll talk about that. Later. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool, well cool. I'll, let me let me handle that because I've got a plan for that. Yeah, I want to know what I ranked everything else. <laughs> Throw me your laptop. Uh, so have you guys given your ratings? Yeah. Do you want to do the series ratings or? Uh, no? Well, let's do yeah. Let's do the, the rating for just the whole series. Okay. And I'll give. Man, I'm gonna give Secret Invasion. A six out of ten. Like I'm not even giving it, give it a MacGuffin. Like it doesn't deserve one. <laughs> I I think it's very spy of you. Uh, as a whole, I just didn't enjoy it. I wanted to. I kept trying to give it a chance. I kept trying to be optimistic about it, and it it just feels like it it kind of fell on its face for me. I'm gonna give it two ratings. <laughs> if Rhodey has not been a scroll since Civil War. It gets six super duper scrolls out of ten because it was mostly fun. If they are going through with a terrible decision, it gets four hashtag not my roadies out of ten. Wow. That is a powerful drop. What was the first rating? Six. Okay. Can you tell me I know this is cheating, but normally I look at it ahead of time, so it's not anything different than what I would normally do. Can you tell me what I rated Falcon and the Winter Soldier? You rated it a seven. <laughs> no way I rated that a seven. Oh man. Ugh. I might have to reevaluate. I I might have to watch that again. I think six and a half is where my head is. Okay. For the show overall. Sure. All right. Well then hold on. I think it drops for I think I agree with Chris. If the like I didn't I said that like I normally don't agree with you. <laughs> but I like <laughs> no, really I you, passionately yeah. agree with you that if they go through with this roadie scroll since Civil War thing, mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have to do this episode again. Yeah, the show gets actively <laughs> worse yes. if yeah. that is... All right, well, let me ask you this. In both scenarios, is this show better or worse than Falcon and the Winter Soldier? That's what I'm now it's struggling with. Better if they don't do it, worse if they do. Interesting. I think it is worse both ways. Okay. 
I am I think struggling. Regardless of the roadie decision, I think it is worse than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know, man. It's tough because that happened so long ago at this point. Yeah, it's hard to sure. Yeah, and and I know that I had a lot of problems with Falcon. Similar problems. It is very similar right? problems. Like like they they did this thing that may or may not been an allegory for the treatment of trans people at the very end. Fifteen seconds of it, boom, it's gone. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. They did a similar thing with the treatment of veterans and and black Americans in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where they started talking about that character and his treatment as another super soldier. And we all were like, this could be really interesting. And then it just, it was slightly mentioned again in the final episode. It never came back Mm -hmm. up. So they have similar vibes of like disappointment just in different flavors, I guess. Yeah. The reason I would say that it's better than Falcon, the winter soldier is I do think I enjoyed the individual episodes more than I did for Falcon winter soldier, because I think that the issues that they had filming during the pandemic, I think very much affected how that story was told. Mm. I think that it had a weaker villain. Um, I think that, um. Yeah, I th- I just think overall it was a little bit messier than this. Not that this was not a messy show, um, but there were enough things that did work for me that I can look past the mess a little bit and say, well, yeah, at least it was better than Falcon Winter Soldier. But mm. it's it's close. They are very much on the same tier. I ask this because. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is at the bottom of all of our rankings. Yeah. Yes. It is last. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. I, I at least assumed that was where it was for me. <laughs> no matter where the, this falls on your ranking, is it right next to Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Is there yes. anything yes. you can think of yes. that you liked less? No. Nope. No, I would if if no, these this were is very easily right there. If these were tier lists instead of numerical rankings, they mm. would both be in the same tier list at the bottom. I agree with that. And nothing else would be in the tier with them. I agree with that. D tier. Yeah, D tier. Nothing would be... Not bad enough for F. No. Not good enough for C. Nothing (laughs) has been F tier. Yeah. Um, Speak for yourself. But I... I mean, if if you're the one, if you're the kind of person that when you do a tier list, you have to put at least one thing in every tier, sure, then they're both in F tier. But I don't don't do tier lists that way. Uh, I'm not saying you do. There are people that do it that way. I was making a... I was making it true. I know, I know. Um, yeah, nothing else even... Nothing else. Nothing else. True. Maybe certain individual episodes, like that weird flashback episode of uh, Ms. Marvel that I didn't think was necessary. I liked that episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that was our like discussion of um, Secret Invasion. You know... We're now done with the next Disney Plus thing. The next Disney Plus thing that come out, I think, is Loki Season 2. Yep, which is in October. This is in October. They just released a poster yesterday, exactly 100,000 minutes before the premiere. Very cool. <laughs> That's I think funny. that was fun. Um, so we will be talking about that. We do have plans to talk about the movies that we're missing. We'll probably throw some extra stuff in there. We're going to go back to being a more bi-weekly schedule. We still have our recommendations to come up ahead, but I wanted to give you guys a, head up, a heads up now that we're finishing our sort of Marvel discussion. I also wanted to talk really briefly about the Miss Marvel trailer. Um, so in the Miss Marvel trailer, we do see uh, the antagonist who is played by um, 
Tom Hiddleston's wife. Tom Hiddleston's wife. Right, yeah. That's uh, reductive, but I don't know her name. Uh, Let me look her up real quick. She has some Cree technology that looks very similar to Miss Marvel's bangles. Yeah. Uh, Zawe Ashton. And so that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Miss Marvel. I am still pulling for them to give her her normal power set. Like, I am still... Mm. I think the Bengals, it works fine for me. The way they do her powers now work fine for me. And visually, they've made them similar. They've made them yeah. similar. Yeah. Again, I do think it would still be cool to just give her her regular powers. I agree. I agree so hard. There is a chance, because there's a line in there about how, specifically, they've entangled all three of their light-based powers. Yeah. And maybe part of it's going to be how do we get past the light-based aspect of her power? I mean, that could be a way to to make her regularly regular stretch. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, regular that'd be stretch. Neat. Yeah, regular stretch. Ooh, big stretch. Ooh, big stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I am really excited for that movie. It looks. Same. good. I think it looks great. Yeah. I'm just so excited for it. I think it looks really good, and I am really excited for it. And what's after it? After Miss Marvel. Echo. Echo is doing a series drop um, in the last week of November. Oh, yeah, so they're they, doing the whole thing. So yeah. they'll be dropping all six episodes. Interesting. Uh, so we can talk about how we're going to handle that uh, well, <laughs> in yeah. November. We'll, uh, we'll, let, we'll keep you guys posted. What's the next movie after Miss Marvel? Uh, or the Marvels? Jeez. Um, I have lost track of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Depends. That's sad, that, actually. That might be the last one that is finished. Is it Brave New World? Uh, maybe. Uh, here, let me pull up MCU Phase 5. Wikipedia is usually right about these things. <laughs> um, Cletus. Films. Okay. Uh, Deadpool 3. Dead- okay. Which we know has shut down production, so that is going to be delayed. Wait, when's, I also, when's Thunderbolts? I also don't think that counts. <laughs> When is Thunderbolts? Uh, m- maybe I'm wrong here. I still don't think... I don't know. I think Thunderbolts is pretty far away. Yeah. Um, it goes Deadpool 3, um, which I think is going to count. Um, I think it will count in a fun way, but not actually... Not really. Well, I mean, have I, we talked about the rumors about who's in it? I really want talked, that... Everyone is in it. Yeah. I really want that to be Deadpool kills the multiverse, yeah. and that's why all of those actors from the bad... Well... The pre MCU Marvel yeah, you'll movies. Get you Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, we'll get them. <laughs> yeah, for a moment. But I mean, the I mean, the rumor is that the TVA is going to actually be involved in this one, so right, I feel like yeah. that loops it in pretty well. I feel like the plot there is the TVA is going to be like, "Hey, listen, there's all these branches that we need to clip, but there the people we have to clip are kind of beyond our skill level. Deadpool, will you go kill them for us? Okay, that would be hilarious. I yeah, also think do that. What implications does Quantumania have on Loki season two? Yeah. Because the Loki season one ended with this whole thing like, oh, Kang is here. It's Kang. Uh, and then that Kang is killed at the end of- But that uh, was a. But I think that's a different Kang. I thought it was the same Kang. No, no, because this was a Kang that got banished from his universe into the quantum realm. Right. And there's always going to be more Kangs. Yeah. They're... They might not be Jonathan Majors. Sure, but like yeah. I thought there was- the one that got banished is the one that we know as Kang the Conqueror. He is the one that goes and has been like collecting and like going in. Like he is the not not that there is the Kang, but he's not like 
He's not Egyptian king. He's not zombie king. Yeah. He is I think king, that, that you know? there will be more than one Kang the Conqueror as well. Okay, interesting. I think that's just how they're going to do that. A lot of them in that arena at the end looked similar. Yeah, yeah. sure. They had the same outfit. Yeah. So I, th- I think that there are going to be other conquerors. Okay. And and on and it looks like, based on the post-credits of that, that Victor Timely is going to be the version that they're going after mm-hmm. in this one. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that that's his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's Deadpool What's 3. more obvious? Captain America, Brave New World, Thunderbolts, and Blade. Uh, all of which are going to be pushed back from whatever they're supposed to be released. Um, well, and Blade was already has already had very tumultuous. Yeah, I hope that Blade movie is good. But, Same, but yeah, it's I, sounding I, maybe like it won't be. I think that you know if they give it enough time, it can still be good. Yeah. All right, it's time for everybody's favorite segment: recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Do you gentlemen? Have something to recommend to our listeners to get into their week? Yeah, I do. Yeah, we do. What you got? I got one for last week and for this week. Yeah, episode. baby. Boom. Yeah. Uh, last week, um, I would have recommended Oppenheimer. Um, but not this week. Not this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, we I went and saw it uh, before our guys weekend. It is about as intense a movie as any three hour period piece biopic about <laughs> a scientist can be. Uh, it is very well made. Some outstanding performances. Uh, Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. will be nominated for Oscars. I'm calling that right now. I don't think that's even uh, a hot take. The uh, Trinity test sequence is incredibly chilling. Done entirely in camera, practical effects, no CGI for that. It's very impressive. Um, see, go see it on the biggest screen you can. It it was. Uh, it's an intense movie, one that's going to sit with me for a while. Uh, my other recommendation, I'm going to recommend a, a couple podcasts. Uh, so first, uh, for those of you who like video games, I'm going to recommend a podcast called Get Played. It was formerly called How Did This Get Played, which was a takeoff of the How Did This Get Made podcast, which is about bad movies. So it used to be about bad video games. And then they realized um, you know, a couple years ago, that that was actually torture for them to have to play a bad video game for every week. Uh, so now they just kind of cover video games. Um, but it's hosted by three comedians. Uh, Nick Weiger, who uh, Peaches will know best as Leo Carpazzi. Uh, um, Heather Ann Campbell, who is, she was on Whose Line Is It Anyway? She's a writer for Rick and Morty. Um, she wrote the Yoshi and Mario song. Uh Hell yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, Yoshi and Mario, two best friends forever. They have to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. tells me where to go, Yoshi and Mario. Apples, colored red, they're my favorite flavor. You don't have to punch my head. Please stop punching my head. I can jump so far. This one looks real big. Wait, where are you going? He just jumped off. <laughs> Yoshi left behind, discarded at the goal. Turns out that Mario is an asshole. Yeah, so if you like that, you like this podcast. Matt Sorry Ap- for my singing. Matt Apodaca but you have is the to other know. host. <laughs> but yeah, and and what's cool is that, um, like I said, okay, Matt Apodaca is the third host, now, but the other two, Nick Weiger was in game development for quite a while, and Heather and Campbell was a games journalist for a while. So they do have like 
actual good insight. They're very funny, but they also have really good insight into video games. Uh, they uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, a good episode to jump in on. Uh, they did one about voice acting in video games, and their guest. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Troy Baker. No, it wasn't Troy Baker. It's Craig something. Uh, he's the voice of the Master of Masters in the Kingdom Hearts series. He is one of the main characters in Final Fantasy 16. Um, the guy that plays Clive? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think that's who it was. Hmm. I'm just going to pull it up real quick and tell you what his name was. It was... I haven't played 16. Yeah. Um, Craig something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Craig but anyway, something. Yeah, but that, that's a good podcast if you're looking for something kind of... Uh, Ray Chase, not Craig at all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeff. Yeah. Good job, Jeff. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not from Final Fantasy 16. Uh, <laughs> he was in Final Fantasy 15. Who did he play? Uh, one of the guys. What does it say? No. Okay. <laughs> He's also in Jujutsu Kaisen. Ooh, who is he in that? I don't know. One Damn of the guys. guys. Yeah. I don't know. Look up Ray Chase. That's my other recommendation. <laughs> Look up what Bonus Ray third. Chase has done. Bonus third recommendation. Yeah. Um, oh, no. I accidentally Googled Rat Chase instead. So <laughs> we'll never have an answer for you. Uh, yeah. So that's my first. And the other podcast I've been listening to lately is called Script Notes. Uh, it's a podcast actually about screenwriting hosted by screenwriters. And it's very interesting if you want to learn anything about the craft of screenwriting and then also lately of course they've been talking a lot about the strikes and it's very interesting hearing their perspectives on that and that is hosted by john august who was a screenwriter he wrote big fish he wrote frankenweenie he's written actually quite a few things for uh for tim burton uh and craig mazin who probably best known now as the showrunner slash co-creator of the last of us are you sure it's craig and not ray Uh, yes i know this for (laughs) sure i've listened to several episodes of this and his name is the same every time (laughs) okay but yeah he's head writer the last of us of chernobyl and also of the hangover sequels oh yeah so a diverse career uh so yeah i recommend both of those who's next i got some stuff uh i don't know how new this is but um there's like a dj feature on spotify now and adam had (laughs) adam had put it on on the uh on the trip in the car and i had no i had no clue what was going on. oh yeah yeah in the parking garage yeah i had no clue (laughs) what was happening i was like that that thing's talking to adam it said his name like but yeah, there's this DJ feature. You just it's in your like for you category in Spotify, and this DJ like this incredibly realistic sounding DJ will be like, "Hey Peach, nice to see you today. Here's some songs I've curated for you," and it's just like listening to the radio. There's no ads or anything, but like every five songs, the DJ comes back and he's like, "All right, now I'm gonna give you some songs from a band that you used to listen to, but you haven't listened to much lately. Enjoy your Vampire Weekend," which wouldn't be true for me because I listen to them all the time. But that's not the point. Uh, and then after those five songs, he'll do some completely other genre. I listened to that on the way over here, and like he threw me some songs that like back to back don't make any fucking sense, and also. I hadn't listened to it in a long time, so I had Bass Hunter playing. Um, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Bass Hunter before, um, but right after Bass Hunter was the original version of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Hell yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all I ever wanted. And then <laughs> over time, like, <laughs> really funny. Um, 
so I guess I recommend that because I thought it was a pretty cool experience. But uh, my other recommendation is kind of a two-parter. Um, and it is Final Fantasy related. So right. that was a it was a good uh, segue-ish. So I watch uh, probably my favorite streamer right now. Uh, her name is Jess Capricorn. I recommend her. This is part one of two. I recommend her because she is, uh, she mostly plays like Souls. She loves the Soulsborne game. She'll play like Elden Ring a lot, Dark Souls. Um, Bloodborne's her favorite game, but she also recently played Final Fantasy VII Remake. And she is the kind of person that will play these insanely difficult games, smiling the whole time. She's like, it's all, you almost never see her in a bad mood when she's streaming. And she also just has this like sense of wonder that I wish that I still had. She has like a gleam, like that sounds really depressing, but everything that she sees in in the games that she plays she just falls in love with it like you can see her lighting up when a cool thing happens even when she's played elden ring for like the 33rd time you know like something happens and she's like oh i love this part like she's just really into it and it's really cool to see that like she does not take that kind of stuff that she likes for granted it's like really it's really refreshing to see somebody love something so hard and so like She's really easy to watch because she's funny and she's really into the stuff that she's playing and it's refreshing. So she played Final Fantasy VII Remake. She had never played any Final Fantasy VII stuff before. Oh, She loved the remake. Weird that she played it first, but it was recommended to her. And it, it kind of, ha- it's not a Souls game, but it kind of has controls similar to, they're not, but you know what I mean? Like you've played it. So they're they're not similar, but they are a sure. little. She played that. She loved it. Then she moved on to Final Fantasy VII. She watched Advent Children on stream. She played uh, Crisis Core, I think is the name of the one where you're Zach Fair. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the... Yeah. Um, so she she like went through all that stuff, and watching her play that was really cool for me because I Final Fantasy VII has been one of my top five games my entire life. Fucking love it. It's a game that I... It's one of the first video games I ever played, like... It, it has a very special place in my heart. So watching somebody who I already like as a streamer play one of my favorite games and go absolutely bananas over it, like fall in love with it, was really cool to watch. Um, so twitch.tv slash Jess Capricorn. Give her a watch. She's very entertaining. She did this thing. She was fighting. She played through all of Elden Ring at, le- at light level one, not light level one, um, whatever the name of the the level up currency is an Elden Ring level one rune, oh, yeah, yeah. rune level one. Uh, and she beat all the bosses, including Melania uh, rune level one. And she was on that boss for a really long time. So she was doing all these fucking shenanigans while she was doing it. She played all these funny playlists. She went to YouTube at one point and she played this like hour long loop of silence interrupted by falling pipes. <laughs> and every so often just she's fighting Melania and pipes fall to the ground they make this large crashing sound and she just fucking erupts laughing I uh... she laughed every time a pipe fell <laughs> like that's that's the kind of joy I'm talking about is like every time she found it just as funny as the time before I did that at work once except it was an hour of silence broken up by the Yoda death sound from Lego Star Wars <laughs> so everyone's all you just hear <laughs> so she's very entertaining but the the second part of this recommendation is actually Final Fantasy VII Remake. I don't know if I've recommended it on the podcast before, but if I have, 
you're going to get recommended again because I finally went through and I platinumed the game. This is a recommendation remake. Yeah. I, fi- I finally went through and platinumed the game, but I, I don't remember if I've talked about this before. Um, I accidentally, when I got my PS5, I downloaded the PS5 version of the game. If you know anything about PS5 tro- or PlayStation trophies, um, PS4 data, completely separate from PS5 data. So if you have like I did, Final Fantasy Remake for PS4 uh, and Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS5 on the same console, that is two separate lists of trophies. And me being the completionist that I am, oh, no. <laughs> I had to play through the game twice. I had to platinum the game twice. But the Final Fantasy VII Remake trophies require you to play through the full game, two, like the play through the game two full times and one partial time. To get everything, because there's like a chapter select afterwards. You can breeze through it. It's not as terrible as that sounds. Um, so I am now on my fifth playthrough of the game, <laughs> because the very first time I played it, then when I came back to get the first platinum, that was two and change times. And now I'm on my, basically after you add the fractions together, I'm on my fifth time, and I still have one and change more to go to double platinum Final Fantasy Seven. Wow. And let me tell you, I don't know how many of y'all have played a game that exists on both PS4 and PS5. I don't know how many of you have played that game back to back. Like you play the PS4 one, then you move over to the PS. It is fucking crazy. The graphical capabilities of that console. We have gone, we have like praised it to to our wits end in the past and it's still i mean it's still fucking cool to see this game that already looks so pretty on the ps4 and then you boot up the ps5 version and you're like how did they make the lighting better yeah how did they make the audio better like i feel like this world is so believable from the few changes that they've made graphically to the lighting and sound there's a point where I'm running through one of the slums and Cloud and Aerith are in a party together and you talk to, there's this kid that you find who's kind of like in a tunnel area and on the way to the kid, they're talking, they're having a conversation and then they go into the tunnel and as they're walking into the tunnel, her voice starts echoing like it would if you were surrounded by walls that like, you know, in a tunnel and as soon as you leave the tunnel, the echo goes away. And it like just small details like that that they've added into the PS5 version of the game. Incredible. It's crazy to play the same game twice and think it's prettier. Have you yeah. have you turned on 3D audio and tried to play with headphones with the 3D audio turned on? No. Uh, oh. So the PlayStation has, for those that don't know, a 3D audio feature. Um, and it is very, very, very cool. And hmm. so thinks the route thinks surround sound, but 3D. So you're not just getting things in left and right; you're getting things above, below. It's three like the audio That's is, is spatial, and it's very, very cool. I need to get headphones that I can hook up to my PS5 because I don't currently have any. Just like an inline set that you can just plug into your controller. Did, would this work? I don't think this is the right jack. No, no, no. You need like a like a like a mic like like you would any other pair of headphones. No, because I use these for everything now. Um. Oh no, those work. Oh, these do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that you just plug in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those work. Oh well, there we go. Yeah, Never you mind. can plug that right into your controller. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. So yeah. Um. 
Spotify DJ feature, twitch.tv slash Jess Capricorn, and Hell Final yeah. Fantasy VII Remake. Nice. Hell yeah, I'm going in a similar direction with you. I'm going to recommend some streamers, but I also wanted to give a little bit of an update. Uh, I've now spent a few weeks with Street Fighter VI. The game's incredible. Like, I think you, if you have any interest, I said this last time, but I really, really mean it this time. If you have any interest in fighting games, Street Fighter VI is one of the best ones to get. It is so good. It is very beginner-friendly. There are tools to really learn the game. It is wonderful. And I want to point people to a few resources where you can learn, because I know fighting games can sometimes be a little intimidating. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of sort of intrinsic knowledge, but it doesn't have to be so... It doesn't have to be so much. So first person I want you to go take a look at is going to be a guy called Sajam. He does a lot of educational content. He's a fighting game commentator. Um, we were actually just watching one of his videos before we started this. It's called Will It Kill? And he does this fun little game show where um, he freezes it right after somebody hits someone else in a fighting game. And you have to decide whether that combo that they're about to do is going to kill the other person. And it's very fun. It's a fun little thing there, but he does does a bunch of other really interesting stuff. Um, there's a, a video he did a few years ago called um, "Being a Scrub is Not About How Good You Are at Fighting Games; It's About Your Mentality." And it, it talks a lot about how like it doesn't matter if you're good or not, as long as you're playing and trying to be better and not just being like, "Oh, this game is stupid. This is stupid. Like it's the game's fault." And try because like that's sort of the thing about fighting games you know i played a lot of overwatch i played a lot of league of legends i played a lot of here's the storm i played a lot of these team games and i found myself it even became a meme at one point <laughs> uh, where's my team being so angry at everyone else that i couldn't see the things that i needed to do to get better and when you play a fighting game you don't have that excuse especially unless you're at the highest highest level if you lose at a fighting game it's because the other person was better. It's mm -hmm. because they made the right choices, you made the wrong choices, and that's it. And there's no one else to look at. And when you start looking at it through that lens and looking at it through a lens of improvement, you really start to see that sort of take effect. I have never been good at Street Fighter. Street Fighter is my, like, it, it was almost too simple for me. Not that it's simple because it's a very deep game, but it was almost too, like, I like the games where, like, I like the anime fighters, like Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue, where you're like jumping all across the screen, doing all kinds of wild stuff. Whereas in in Street Fighter, you're doing two, three hit combos at the most. It's a lot more about your spacing, your awareness, trying to bait your opponent into doing something and reacting. A lot more of that, and I've always been very bad at it. Street Fighter Six, I am not good by any means, but I have a gold ranked Ken. And I'm still climbing the ladder, and it feels very good. Um, and it is not something that I've ever... I, I played Street Fighter V, and I bounced off of it pretty quickly because I didn't find it fun. I couldn't figure it out. This game has been so much easier to figure out and so much easier to get to the part where I feel like I'm improving. And so I would really highly recommend it if you've, if you've ever... Uh, if you ever wanted to check it out. Once again, it's got an amazing single-player mode as well. All kinds of fun stuff to do. So go check out Sajam. Go check out Maximilian Dude. He's another uh, big fighting game creator. He does a lot of fighting game stuff, a lot of educational content as well, but his is a little bit more on the fun side. He does videos like Rate the Super. Well, he'll look at every single super uh, that a character does in a fighting game and rate them 1 through 10, kind of goes through them, and it's very fun. 
Um, so check out both of those guys and just check out fighting games in general. I think they are a it's a it's a genre that I think people find very intimidating. But and Chris, don't if you've played Smash, you've played a fighting <laughs> game. So there there it's just think of it that way, right? Like I think people put you know, this is a really interesting discussion. You know what I think? You know what ruined me for losing in games and ruined me and made it so that I got a lot angrier when I died in video games. League of Legends. League well, yeah, of Legends. Because you can't. Exactly. If you die, that's the fucking game. So I used to play a lot of Call of Duty years ago when Duty. I was young. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a teenager, I played a lot of Black yeah. Ops Modern Warfare. Yeah, and in yeah. those games, you die every five seconds. And you know mm-hmm. what you do? You respawn and you go back out there because it doesn't matter how many times you die because. That's the game, is running out, dying, and then doing it all over again. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care. And then I started playing League of Legends, and I got to the point where I would get angry whenever I died because it meant I was going to spend the next 30 minutes behind (laughs) getting steamrolled because the person killed me once, and now suddenly, unless I do some sick play and bait them into something, I'm dead you know, like the the game is ruined and I've the, wasted the next 45 minutes. The amount of patience you need to play a Summoner's Rift game of League of Legends is uh, admirable. Yeah. For, any, for, for the people that can play that game at the level of patience that you need, I mean, good for you because that shit is hard. Yeah. Like, and, and you mess up one time and not only... Not only you mess up one time and now the person that you're laning against it has a huge advantage, but everyone on your fucking team will let you know how much that yeah. you let them down. Yep. And that that community has a, a huge number of toxic people, and that plays into it too, is that like team games like that where you cannot afford to mess up once for both of those reasons, mm-hmm. that shit's rough. It's tough, and it, it you know it made me really hate team based game. It really put a lot of pressure on myself as a gamer, and a lot of the games that I was playing, I felt like, oh man, if I lose, that means I've failed. That's I failed I all like these Day people. Ram. Blah 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 blah. But in fighting games, I feel like it's not like that. Like I lose, and I go, you know what? That person was just better than me. You know, like it is what it is. Or like, I'll go into a fighting game, and my goal is not to win. It'll be like, look, I've been practicing this combo for the last 30 minutes. My goal is to do this combo once in this match. It doesn't matter what else happens in the match. If I've done this combo once, I've succeeded. And if I win, cool. But at least I am doing this thing that's helping me improve. That's how I played Kazuya in Smash Brothers, actually. There we go. Hell yeah. yeah. Hmm. And and so uh, there's a lot of things like that. I've started to learn how to use training mode. Um, training mode is one of those things, another one of those that I found really intimidating because there are all these options in training mode, all of these different things you can turn on to help you figure things out. But once you realize that training mode is just there for you to help you and to help you play the game, you start getting a lot better. There was this move Cammy was doing to me over and over and over again. I was like, how the hell do I, I just kept losing to it. And so I went to the training mode. I made the Cammy CPU just do that move over and over again. And then I 
like figured out how to beat it and that's all it's there for it and how to block that move hell yeah i mean cammy (laughs) hey (laughs) good night everybody yeah Uh, speaking of fighting games too mk1 looks fucking mk1 looks very we pre-gamed this podcast by watching three of the trailers and i will also be i mean i i pick up basically every fighting game but i'll also be getting yeah that's a that's a spoiler for a future recommendation hell i don't think there's any way that game isn't great yeah i agree I think that game's going to be incredible. Um, Tekken 8 is also on the horizon. Uh, and Evo is actually next week. So that's my last recommendation. Go watch Evo. Evolution. Uh, it, it's the premier fighting game tournament. Happens every year. Uh, there are more Street Fighter Six entrants than any other game in the history of Evo. Wow. They have over wow. 7,000 entrants that will be playing in a Street Fighter tournament, which is an insane amount of people. That's crazy. Yes. It is a very, very, very large amount of people. It's the biggest that's ever been, literally ever. They all in one tournament, or are they all playing in their own tournaments? Does that make sense? So they are. So the way that the tournaments are bracketed. The classes? They're, no, it's all one tournament. Okay. It's open. Wow. It's an open tournament, but there are like brackets. Like you're playing in So the first round, pools. round one is 3,500 matches? Sort of. So you play in pools. Uh, and so there are pools of people that will play through those pools. And then only a certain number of people move on to the bracket elimination. Interesting part of the tournament okay once you made it out of your pool then you make it to the bracket and then it is double elimination okay damn that's crazy that's a lot of people it is a lot of people it seems like we are in the midst of the next fighting game renaissance do you have to be a certain caliber to get into those tournaments or can anybody just go? anyone can anyone can go it's actually a big way people just go because like they sell spectator passes and then they spell like tournament passes and most people just buy the tournament pass and like play and just like have fun like no one's trying to win this tournament yeah but you're like well i might as well go and like play play a like, few rounds then watch yeah. everybody else anyway exactly yeah um so he uh, i would recommend seeing that at the very least watch it on sunday because sunday is when they do all the grand finals and that is when it's the hypest that's when you're gonna get those big moments that's when you're gonna get the evo moment what is it 37 yeah yeah yeah, with Dai- perfect, the, the, 16 perfect. Yeah, Ken perfect parrying Perry, all Daigo, of Chun-Li's yeah. Yeah, super. With, with Daigo and Justin Wong. Or who the both other way around. still compete to this day. Well, you have to after you do well, that. And that's another really good thing about fighting game esports. If you look at like League of Legends, by the time you turn like 22, you're like, damn, I'm too old. My reflexes, they're not what they used to yeah. be. <laughs> fighting games, people are like 40 and still like dominating and still playing well and like... Mm-hmm. Your skills, it seems like they translate a lot more for a lot longer versus like MOBAs and stuff. You know what I think that is more of? I don't think that's necessarily a reflexes thing. I think that's more of a people will still go back to, I don't know. I I don't know how true this is, but just because it's a game that I know, they'll still go back to Street Fighter Mm 3 and it hasn't changed in however many years since it's been out. Yep. So there's no new meta to figure out. There's no like new combos to figure out people just kind of know what they're doing and they play the game and they have a good time whereas league if you take a five minute break from league there's going to be 22 new characters in the game and now you have to figure out all of their moves so that you know how to play against and with them look you say that but there was like recent addition there have been like over the years melee keeps coming out with new metas and that game doesn't change but like Hmm. 
Uh, Jigglypuff is a good example of a character that was like not played and then suddenly won. I don't mean the meta as far as what characters are being played. I mean as far as like the game itself doesn't change. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like they're not they're not patching Street Fighter Three. No, anymore, no, 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 no. You know, the game yeah. is what it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas League is gonna be different every day that you boot it up. That sure. is an exaggeration, but. Jesus Christ, that game has so much to learn. Yeah. I don't think that's going to do it for this episode. If assembly required an MCU retrospective, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash assembly required. Join our patron exclusive Discord. Come chat with us. We were in there chatting all about uh, Secret Evasion spoilers. We'll be chatting about all kinds of stuff as, as new stuff starts to come out. Huge shout out to our Avenger level patrons, uh, Brian, Riley, and Adrian. Um, if you'd like to email the show, you could do so. Assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at assemblycast. Follow some of us individually at ABC Eduardo One for myself, Philkid Three for Robbie, and twitch.tv slash peaches. One day. That's gonna do it for this episode of Assembly Required MC Retrospective. We love you 3000. Bye everybody. Excelsior. Man, that, that, that.